This is Todd Jason Falcon Cook, director of Zombified, wishing No Budget Nightmares a happy anniversary. Congratulations. It's the No Budget Nightmare 30th episode extravaganza. gentlemen welcome to the 30th episode spectacular of daily grindhouse presents no budget nightmares this is mo and with me today as always of course the one and only doug tilly <laughs> today today yeah a, a special guest star doug i got a, spe- here on a special episode. guest you've been downgraded <laughs> to featured entertainment entertainment as long as i'm a part of the show i, I guess i can't complain too much mo 30th episode yeah, I don't know how the hell do we manage that one. All those people who said we'd never make it, we'd never get here, I don't know who they are or who they were at the time, but I remember that there was a lot of negativity, but here we are. Here we are. And uh, and what a nice little, uh, you know, congratulations from uh, Todd Jason Falcon Cook at the beginning of the episode there. Yes, Todd Jason Falcon Cook, director of Death Metal Zombies and Zombified. Uh, how nice of him, yes, to send along his congratulations. A good friend of the show, Todd Jason Falcon Cook. Bully. Bully to him. Bully to us. <laughs> Bully. This is exciting. This is going to be a really special episode. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we don't have to. We didn't have to sit through a shitty movie. Which it's like is, a reward to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. It's very, it's very pleasing to not have to, you know, to be able to record and not have to sit through a shitty movie to do it. Uh, it, it's tough because it's the beginning of the year. This is our first episode of 2013. Mm-hmm. So it's also, I mean, it makes me feel like maybe this is a whole new direction of the show. Maybe we can just have people sending in accolades and we don't ever have to watch terrible movies. It took like three weeks to get this many people to send in this much stuff. <laughs> I, I don't think we could manage that regularly. <laughs> they just got to get used to it. They got to get into the swing of it every week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. This is this is going to be kind of a fun, uh, strange episode of No Budget Nightmares because, uh, as we just mentioned, we do have a few um, recorded messages of congratulations. We have some special interviews coming up. We have some music, a little fun, some emails. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be something else. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, some of our favorite and least favorite uh, films covered so far. Um, we're going to talk about some things we've never talked about before. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and we're going to, and we're going to lift the lid on, uh, uh, on a secret that we've been keeping since about, uh, episode 15, uh, in Mo and I are brothers. (laughs) (laughs) So do we want to, do we want to get right into this? Is there anything else we need to say before, uh, before we start? No, I don't think so. I think anything we want to say, I uh, will probably leave for the end. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. So up first, we have uh, we have a it kind of jumps right into it. So there's not really a lot of uh, 
of introduction, so to speak. So up first, we we, we talk with uh, with Les Norris and Oliver Asiren. Uh, I got it right this time. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> uh, the guys who made Gorno. Our favorite. Our favorite movie. Pretentious piece of shit, dude. Pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked how the entire interview, you're like, the movie has no plot. It just sucks. Like, you're like, you're like, we're not even going to talk about it anymore. But you know what? And then you for like another half an hour. You're like, but really, it's not worth talking about. This movie was so bad. We're not going to talk about it. And then you start going again. I was like, dude, I think it was our longest podcast to date. We uh, we had a fr- I had a friend who just listened to that episode recently, and she she was saying it's hard to listen to because we're not enjoying ourselves, but we're we won't shut up about it. <laughs> just keep talking and hating ourselves and getting angrier and sort of more just pissed at the world. <laughs> I, I like honestly, I was sitting in class. I'll tell you how I found it. I was sitting in class. Um, I'm getting my master's in education. I'm sitting there like bored as shit in this class where I'm obviously the oldest dude in it. And I'm like, oh, let me see if there's any word on Gorno. If anybody, you know, every once in a while, someone will be like, you know, oh, Gorno sucks. Fuck that movie. But, 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 you know, and uh, so I was like, I wonder if there's anything on there. And I saw this thing and I was like, oh, my God, there's an entire podcast. I have to download this. <laughs> so I downloaded it in the middle of class. I slipped my headphones in and I just started cracking up. And I was like, all right, I got to get out of here. And I walked out. And as I'm like listening in my car listening to the podcast play i called less i was like you have to call me back right now this is honestly like i'm in tears like i'm like these guys got exactly what gordon was supposed to be which is you know everybody hates it which is awesome you know like you have to see we went to the dc film festival and i don't know if Les wants to tell about this but we there was like you know like they were like really pushing it as like American Psycho for teens, blah, blah, blah. It's like this awesome movie. And so there were like reps there, like, you know, from like decent studios. And like one by one, as Les and I are sitting in the back of the theater, they're just getting up and walking out. Until like <laughs> there was like four dudes left. And one of them was a reviewer. And he wrote this review. I forget what the site was called, but he gave skulls out instead of like stars. And he was just like, this was the worst movie I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, no skulls, zero. Zero skulls. Yeah. All right. So, so in case I'm recording now, so in case people are wondering, we are talking with uh, <laughs> with Les Norris and Oliver Asrin. Uh, the the uh, I'm sorry, a siren. Ooh, I should have asked before we started recording. Yeah, you should have asked, Mo. Um, shut up, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the makers of Gorno. Uh, How did you me... guys find Gorno? I gotta know. Okay, let, let me let me take over for a second. Please, you know, please. You, you trip over more of your words. Uh, Man, you're found... being a real asshole today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Saturday. I can't can't be I can't be nice on a Saturday. Um, I think we both found Gorno because it was part of the uh, the Pendulum Pictures uh, release of the Bloody Nightmare set. Uh, they they released it in the Tomb of Terrors, and uh, when I first started writing about no budget films and low budget films, uh, it was because I owned that box set, and I was like, well, I have this huge collection. Let's go through it one at a time. And when I started writing for Daily Grindhouse, I also I was like, well, I'm just going to continue off and do you know. And then I started 
interviewing low budget filmmakers and then the podcast started and it was like mo this is where i'm getting these movies and he's like i'm gonna buy it too so we were picking them sort of biggest mistake of my life (laughs) i mean the random picking we don't do it randomly anymore but at the time we were just like this sounds interesting gorno an american tragedy i think we could have fun with this (laughs) well my well i think i picked it right Yes. You yeah, did. and I and I'm fairly sure that I picked it based on title alone because because you know Gorno is supposed to be sort of a uh, a play on like the, the the torture porn series, you know, right. and, and and so that's why I picked it. I'm like, well, maybe there's some good you know gore effects in here. Nothing. No, <laughs> no, there's not. Um. <laughs> you know, one of the things that we try to kind of preach on the podcast is that like everyone should make a movie. I mean, I mean it. I know that that's sort of an exaggerated kind of concept, but what I mean is that this we live in a in a in a beautiful age of filmmaking where people can get the equipment for such a low uh, price and and get the editing equipment and go out and make something because they're passionate about it and because they care about it. And uh, watching Gorno made me think that maybe I was wrong on that. Theory. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I think we lost last funny enough on modern technology. He's trying to call me, but it'll tell me I'll lose the call. So. With you guys, so I don't know if he calls you or you guys can call him back, but oh, I, think, yeah. I think we lost him somewhere along the way. Um, yeah, uh, making Gorno was um, something that Les and I both decided to do after we went to that fun school called Full Sail, and uh, we just thought it was, um, I don't know, we were just idiots, we really were. We were like two, you know, burners who were like, oh, let's make the stupidest movie in the world. It'll have no mm-hmm. plot. Gummo rules. We'll be like Harmony Corinne. <laughs> <laughs> This was I mean, like the the honest conversation too. Was like, Gummo rocks, dude. Let's make something as close to that, but maybe with like a plot, if we can find one, which we couldn't. So. Had you guys made short films before that? Yeah, I made. Uh, I wrote a short film called How to Pick Up Girls If You're a Comic Book Geek that they made, uh, which is based on a comic book, uh, and it was made it full sale with you know on our 16 millimeter at full sale 16 millimeter class but other than that no we hadn't made anything and it's pretty obvious um we had just uh come out of you know making nothing basically and decided that the guy who was our teacher for that class had a huge package that you could rent for three thousand dollars and we you know, beg, borrowed. That sounds together dirty the as money. shit. Yeah, that sounded filthy. Yeah. I was like, a huge package. That you could rent? <laughs> Woo! Yeah. yeah, it was a nice, huge package that you could rent, all uh, all uh. inclusive. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was, no, but I mean, really, it was like jib arms and all sorts of cool stuff in there, the 16 millimeter camera. And we were like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's try to make something. Well, and uh, you know, how, how, Sorry, how did you get the money for it? Oh, dude, that's when you call everybody you know. My roommate's parents lent us money. We were like, it's going to be huge. Everybody, it was, cost us, I think, $5,000. I mean, so it's like. It's going to make you know, gummo money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It'll be in theaters as long as gummo. Never. Like, you know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we were, we thought that if we, if we could get enough people to somehow stupidly believe us, and they did, um, we could rent this you know equipment and get the get the big package and get it out there and um that's what we did what was the filming process actually like uh we filmed it over i think it was two weeks and uh les and i um you know basically directed sort of 
each scene we liked, we chose and said, oh, we want to direct that. <laughs> and then we, uh, you know, it, it, was, um, it was a lot of experimentation on there. It was uh, first time everybody, you know, um, DP, first time. Everybody got out of film school. Yo, oh, Les. Got Les back. I'm back. <laughs> All right. They're asking about the filming process at Gorno. So you were mentioning something about a first-time DP. Now I now I rented a porno that was called that once. Uh, <laughs> Actually, taking a step Connie back. Was... Sorry, just to take a step oh, back. Uh, when you were casting it, because uh, uh, Kelly, the main character in the film, that's a really important part, and you actually cast a young guy in it. Like you must have known that you were making a sort of controversial style movie. Was that hard to do that sort of casting? Well, um, I guess there's a weird story behind that. I dated Kelly's sister in college, and uh, he was in our first 16-millimeter project, and Les came and was like, we got to get that kid to be Kelly. And his mom signed a release. Like, we got a lawyer to draw up an actual, like, you know, child actor release. Wow. And, yeah, I don't know. It cost, like, 600 bucks. I remember that. Yeah, that was like what we spent. I think most of our, besides the equipment, that's what we spent the most money on was a lawyer, because people would drop out constantly. They'd read the script and be like, "No, I'm not doing this." <laughs> <laughs> so we started just giving them their pieces. Like we'd be like, "Oh, here's you know your bit of the movie," and they'd be like, "All right, so where's the rest of the script?" And we're like, "Oh yeah, we're not doing that because we don't want anyone to ruin it for anybody else." <laughs> <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm, taking, know, I'm taking notes now. Today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Les and I were like, no, we, we really like um, can't give you it. And like lots of people, like the priest guy, he was kept being like, no, I want to see the rest of it before I do this. And we were like, we haven't written everybody else's yet. We don't know. Like, just do yours. <laughs> It'll be cool. Yeah, there was that one guy, the original guy, remember Oliver, that was going to play the preacher. And he called you and he just could not believe that we were making that film. Yeah, he's like, I, you're making this? And we're like, yeah. He's like, there's something wrong with you. after Because uh, after, 9-11 had like literally just happened. And he was like, after 9-11, you're making something like this? And we're like, yeah, well, how did the two coincide whatsoever? He's like, I, I just, I can't be a part of something as disgusting as this. I was like, okay, see ya. It's actually a good sign. Well, what about the uh, the character that I'm? I mean, and it's been a while since I've seen Gorno, so you'll have to forgive me. But oh, look was... at you. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Mister Ohio character. Uh... <laughs> Mister, o- yeah. Well, Doctor Ohio. Doctor. It's, it's, yeah. He was another. He was a, another student, and he. We just asked him, and it was after school. We actually had to fly him back in, and the first scenes. Who was from Ohio? After he landed. Yeah, yeah, he landed. We brought him back to my apartment, which is what Kelly's house is. And uh, Dr. Ohio's house was my neighbor's house. And he just landed, and we did the scenes with him, and he got back on the plane the next day. He was there long and, enough to drink um, E&J. That, I remember that. That was it. And was Yeah, he was like, oh, dude, I'll do the scene, but I want Irk and Jerk. And I'm like, what is Irk and Jerk? And he's like, E&J, Kovacier, man. And I was like, all right, (laughs) done. (laughs) Did you think when you were making this that that this is, I mean, obviously the the, the film or films that that were the inspiration were sort of controversial. But were you trying, it's like, let's be controversial, let's get people's attention. 
Yeah. No, I would say more like just makes up. Like, really, we laughed a lot on set. Like, it was a lot of funny shit going on. To us, it was funny. Like, my reaction a lot of times when I watch something like, you know, is to laugh at something kind of, you know, fucked up. And we were just laughing, kind of having fun. And, like, really, I think, like, the as I watch it later and later and later, it's just yeah, it's just fucking wrong and stupid, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the idea. Les and I at one point sat down and we were like, Les came to me, I think, and he was like, I have eight pages of this script or ten pages, you know, you want to add to it, and I was like, fuck yeah. He's like, let's make something that's, you know, let's just be as stupid as we possibly can, like you know. And we kept talking about stories that were like. Like, for example, the girl who uh, gets raped by her brother. That was, like, a story that circulated in my town. You know, like, so we just were, like, talking about stories like that that had happened that we'd heard. And we were like, let's just make a compilation of those. Or, like, what if there's a vampire who really thinks he's a vampire, but maybe he is a vampire. Yeah, and he likes drugs, and he sells blood, yeah. Yeah, yeah and he gets the blood from a butcher, this fat dude who uh, oh, who actually re- review movies. The, yeah, I, the guy I remember, who played the butcher. I was gonna say I remember the vampire being the most baffling thing for us in the film because it's like because it's like he thinks he's a vampire, but then he turns out to actually be a vampire. It's like yeah, well, and then our, if you read the script, which I wish we had, uh, I, and I can send it to you, you'll see that the bullet actually was supposed to have just grazed his scalp. Oh, so he he's 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 he's, he's not actually a vampire. Oh. He just. Um, Still thinks he is and thinks he just got shot and walked away, but it actually didn't. He didn't get shot. And if you actually, in the script, he's watching the whole thing unfold, um, but we just never showed it. <laughs> How did the music come about? Because, I mean, that's a, you got uh, Daisy Berkowitz to, to provide the music for it. I mean, that's kind of a, a, you know, a, a recognizable name for people. Uh, that's yeah. all less. Years ago, like, I was in Radio Baghdad from, right. from, like, 1989 to, like, 2000, 2001, and we used to, my Radio Baghdad, we shared a, a warehouse with those guys, Marilyn Manson, back then, like, before they were signed and up till they got signed, and I know Scott, which is Daisy Berkowitz, you know, since then, I'm friendly with him, he lives down here. Yeah, this guy who played the goth kid who looks like Marilyn Manson would go to Les's apartment and Les has all their, like, original demo tapes and stuff. He was a huge <laughs> fan. And he'd be like, dude, can I have one of those? And Les, you were sitting there, like, dubbing them for him that night. He's like, I'll do the part if I can have some of those tapes. And that guy provided his own wardrobe. Oliver f- found him, like, walking down the road dressed like that. <laughs> yeah. like, hey, you want to see a film? <laughs> we, we were looking for a guy to play that. And he was at uh, outside a movie theater walking down the street. And me and uh, the guy uh who plays one of the retarded guys scott we're driving around and we were like there's the guy and scott like ran up to him with me and we're like hey will you be in this movie and he's like yes i will and And the guy was the nicest guy and he didn't like like curse or drink and he was just kind of a really polite guy from north or south carolina great manners and like just like you thought he'd be some fucking wacko and he was the most normal person on set what were the, what was the response from the the cast once they actually saw the final product yeah i mean uh, me i remember kelly liked it a lot i had to go up like after we shot it i met kelly like maybe like four months after we did it do the voiceover uh, his voiceover in a hotel 
And then I told him it'd be, you know, a couple months and everybody saw different variations because we released it ourselves, and then with another company and then brain damage films. Yeah. The company we released like, it through too. They basically were like compared uh, to what came out. Did that company was supposed to be like a company. What was it called? They were supposed to put out any DVD and you split it 50, 50, no matter what, like they would put custom, it out. Custom flicks. Yeah. Custom flicks. And they got custom Gorno flicks. and they were like, no, we can't put it out because it's so hateful to gay people. And we were like, what? Like no, I had an argument with a guy because they had a movie about a Sasquatch raping a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I told him, "Hey, you're going to put out a movie about a Sasquatch raping a woman. We only imply a rape. We don't even show it." <laughs> and the dude was like, "I, I don't know. It's, it's against gay people." I was like, "Well, what if Les and I were gay?" He's like, "Are you?" I'm like, "I don't know. We could be. You know, I don't think so, but maybe. <laughs> you know, if that is the case, you're being, you're saying." You're against us. And he's like, I'm not saying that at all. I'm like, well, you said you'd put it out. Put it out. So they <laughs> Sounds did. Sounds like a beautiful they conversation. Out, yeah. <laughs> and then Brain Damage just put it out, did they? Well, uh, the Brain Damage thing was funny. Like, I had sent it and gave up. And then they called us and were like, we'd like to acquire the rights and to get rid of it. Like, yeah, sure we did. Yeah, of course you could have it. Yeah, Les called me. He's like, listen, you have to sign this contract. Someone wants to buy Gorno. And I was... About a month away from shooting Flogging Margaret was my second film at the time. And I was like, someone wants Gorno, really? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, are we going to make any money? He's like, no. I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Go, <laughs> Dude, I'm you made like, like $200. What are you talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, 200 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think after. That was tax-free cash shit, dude. <laughs> yeah, I got the check in the mail. I was like, oh, we did make money off Gorno. That's awesome. Like. You know, hey, unless, and yeah, we owe most of that back for the DVD cover. So, you know, don't bend it. Hey, Mo and Doug, the funniest thing was when we got uh, Gorno into the DC Independent Film Festival, which was a pretty, it was a big film festival. Like, we went up there and we were kind of blown away. And we got up for a Q&A and no one had a question. <laughs> I told them about how everybody walked out. Like there was actual like distributors there, and Les and I are like, "Oh, we're gonna sell this thing!" Like Warner, you know, <laughs> Warner Brothers, Paramount, here we come! And like just like one at a time, the dudes I are getting up, and walking out. Les is like, "I have a kid now. I, I really feel like you know what? What did we do?" I was like, "Oh, it's not that bad." Wow. So t talk a little bit about what uh, what you guys have been up to since then. You mentioned uh, uh, Flogging Margaret, and I know that uh, the Fog of War, uh, Les, is that your film? Yeah, that's my film. That's, that's coming out any day now. It's been delayed a bunch. Um, it's coming out on Netflix and on uh, Amazon, the VOD and Prime and all that shit. Yeah, and I uh, I made Flogging Margaret in 2007, which did end up getting bought by Warner Brothers, which was, um, like, one of those surprise, like, holy fuck, like, I actually get to, you know, see my movie out there. Um, <laughs> and it's probably, like, a lot of times people who've watched Gorno, who watch that, are like, how the hell did you go from making Gorno to making a buddy comedy? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Like, I want to make a kid's movie next. I don't you know. came we'll out see. of the closet. Yeah, yeah, it all came out then. Uh, my wife was surprised. Everybody was surprised, but it all came out. Well, I mean, I got to say that 
when we first heard from you, uh, uh, and, and you know, we hear from some of the filmmakers that, of the films that we covered, and <laughs> obviously I interview a lot of them in my spare time anyway, uh, understanding that we had been so harsh about the film, and I don't think we take back any of that sentiment, we were really happy to hear a that that you found the the show amusing, but b that you went on and you're still doing projects and it's still you know what I was saying earlier about about everyone making a movie. I really do believe that, and I love the fact that you took your experience from this and you poured it into you know different projects. You're going to go in there, you're going to see that as a learning experience. But that's the thing, man. Gorno will just exist; it'll always be there. It's weird, dude. It's weird that that happens, and every once in a while, you'll get someone who will email. You, like lesser i'll get an email that someone's like actually a fan and i'm like dude i hate the fans i'm like I, it's the scary guys like they're like oh they'll email me and be like fuck life fuck that that's awesome i'm like <laughs> yeah what we were like stoned when we wrote that i don't know what you're talking about you know that it's uh it's weird it'll be out there forever it's one of those weird weird things like when we saw your podcast we were like this is awesome someone's still watching it and took the time to review it like Bad or not, that's awesome. Sometimes it's just a roll yeah, of the dice. For us. That's, that's true. A lot of people got pissed because they're like, gore no, gore plus porn. You, <laughs> you gave us very little lame blood, and we see like a flash of one titty. You guys fucking blow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would get a lot of hate email too, obviously, yeah. way more than fans. Um, I didn't see any gore. And I didn't see any. You were asking before you, about the you. people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were asking how the cast replied to it. They, I, most of them were like, including the actors, were just our buddies, so they like knew. They were like, "Oh, yeah, we're in it. We don't care." Except mm-hmm. for the one who played the masturbator. He didn't want his name in it. He got mad. That's beautiful. But, so he's on, he's on the IMDb credit, right? Yeah, Is it, he's not even alive. I don't think. No. He's alive. He's a homeless guy now in um, San Diego. Well, that, yeah, he, uh, that's, that's that's very close to death, dude. <laughs> wow. he's, he's right next door to it. San Diego's not happening, dude. <laughs> Two kids lives with like the Rainbow family. This is all true. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he the, the stories alone of that guy like could a, go for hours. Chef on set, and he bought a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> his parents gave us money to watch him because he had just gotten out of rehab. They were like, "Here, can you watch him for like a month? Here's five hundred dollars to just babysit this guy." And he would go and like buy biscuits quick and make like hard biscuits for us to be the chef. And he had the worst cough I've ever heard. I'm, I did. Oh yeah, he had like whooping really. cough. He's not lying. You're lying. No, he he's. Has that cough too? Last time I saw him, which was like two years ago, he showed up on doorstep before my kid was born. I was like, "Listen, dude, you can't live with me. You have fleas. Like, I'm sorry." <laughs> and he was like, "He was like living on the street in Philly." And uh, I was like, "Look, I'm going to take you to a rehab, and you can stay there." And he never went. He like called me a week later or emailed me. He's like, "Sorry, dude, I couldn't go." I got to the door, turned around, you know, spare changed enough money to hop a freight train and left. <laughs> Amazing. Hey, and that's what he does now. He rides freight trains. Like, that's his thing. He loves so you could, uh, you could, uh, you could go to town on that one too. What? Yeah, did I'll, I'll send you flogging. I keep meaning to. I, I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'll send you fog of war. You could do like uh, flog, fog of war versus flogging. Which one sucks? <laughs> or, which one sucks more? 
<laughs> Sounds good to me. I don't know, I... But on that note, I think we should probably wrap this up. Uh, uh, guys, it was really great having you on. Uh, I really appreciate all the stories and you being such good sports about us being so terrible to your movie. <laughs> thank you for having us. And dude, thank you for doing it. Be as terrible on my next one. I would love it. <laughs> well, if we, if we, if we, we're not one to mince our words. So needless to say, if, you know, if we, if we watch it and we're, and we're not fans, you'll know. <laughs> oh, look, if I get it, if I, if, if we get that movie, I'm watching it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Absolutely. I'll yeah. send it to you. I, 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 I will send it to you. Today. I run full, full bars at the train wreck. You got to watch the train wreck. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mo and Doug, it's me, the self-proclaimed number one no-budget nightmare super fan, Ashley Montgomery. I really need a shorter title. Anyway, <laughs> um, as someone who has listened to easily, let's what like 60 plus hours of, oh my god that is a lot <clears throat> anyway as someone who's listened to easily 60 plus hours of no budget nightmares uh, I consider myself to be an expert so you can trust me when I say that you guys are entertaining as hell and you really do put out a quality show and um, you know no podcaster can really ask for much more than that and you guys just keep getting better uh, I started listening back at episode 25 dead is dead and i went all the way back to episode one hip hop logos which i'm sure you do not need me to remind you of and uh, you guys have certainly come a long way since then and i think that you should really be proud uh on a more personal note your show for me has served as this really absurd gateway drug to watching more movies than I have in the past and developing new projects uh, and it's been a really awesome and enjoyable experience so thank you guys for just doing what you do and being so accepting of me even though I basically just acted like a creepy stalker yeah so um congratulations and i look forward to listening to the next 30 episodes of no budget nightmares and of course harassing you on twitter in between episodes so yeah look forward to that all right bye hi hi this is Andrew Shearer from Gonzorific, wishing you guys at No Budget Nightmares a happy 30th podcast. Congratulations on 30. 30 is a big deal. You know, you're not supposed to trust anyone over 30. So good luck for your future. I just wanted to say, in addition to all the other congratulatory things that people are going to say to you, on a personal note, I love that No Budget Nightmares exists, and I it was an honor to be interviewed by such thoughtful people, and people who really, really seem to understand that No Budget doesn't mean it's not real movies, No Budget doesn't mean that there isn't merit to it, No Budget doesn't mean that you should lower your expectations going in, that we are not some dime store little parody of what Hollywood is doing, but rather we are people who love film and we want to make it by any means necessary and there's a long-standing tradition of people like us that do that and it is great in the age of this ocean of content out on the internet and just in the world in general 
in the digital age, a lot of people can make movies, a lot of people do make movies, and a lot of them just aren't trying and don't need to try and don't want to try. They're screwing around with it. I'm not saying what I do is any better or any worse and has any more merit than them. All I'm saying is thank you, No Budget Nightmares, for sifting through this sea of material and picking out certain people and making us feel really special because really there aren't a lot of blogs and websites that are devoting time to micro cinema anymore and there's not a lot of people that know where to find it who's doing it and there's even fewer people that can separate the stuff you should watch from the stuff that you shouldn't watch and you guys are out there fighting the good fight doing something for the little guy that the little guy cannot do, which is to have a voice that sort of shines a spotlight on us, because there's a lot of self-promotion out there happening, and it's just not helping. <laughs> so anyway, that's enough from me. Thank you guys, and uh, I'll be back on the 60th one to uh, jabber some more. It's been a pleasure reading the interviews, getting information, seeing that I'm not the only one out there going through this stuff and knowing that there is other really cool people out there trying to do the same sort of thing, which is make movies because we love them and going by our own code of conduct. So thank you for shedding a light on us. And uh, they say the cream rises to the top. I, I don't know. I just want to... Being cream in itself sounds cool. Thank you. And we're back. <laughs> How exciting. Noah, I mean, we've our, this is already, it's something so kind of unique for me and unique for us uh, to have some people kind of uh, sending along their, their messages of thanks. And us doing interviews, Mo, real uh, interviews. Well, I mean, you doing interviews and me making jokes, but yeah, <laughs> same, same idea. <laughs> I, I, I was really, I mean, I'm, I go undercover, I peel back the layers, I make sure that we get to the, the guts of what we really want to know about why Gorno was such a terrible movie <laughs> and why we had to talk about it for two hours. And, and, of, and of, yeah, exactly. Uh, and of course, we appreciate the, uh, the messages from, uh, from Ashley Montgomery and from Andrew Shearer. That was very nice of you guys. Thank you. And now, Mo, uh, since this is a, a, a time of, of, Recalling the past, a time of <laughs> celebrating the past, we're going to be uh, discussing some of our favorite moments from the No Budget Nightmares from the 29 episodes preceding this one. Y uh, you know what? I've only been kind of thinking about it briefly over the last couple of days. I have to say the thing that I most enjoy about working on No Budget Nightmares and on writing the columns and everything is just the interactions that we have. And I, I mean, it was kind of typified by that interview the interactions that we have with the various personalities involved in making the films. Uh, there's exceptions, as we'll get to. But, <laughs> That's but, for I mean, later in the show. <laughs> but, uh, but really, we've been very lucky. Uh, we've met some incredible people, some oh, really absolutely. hardworking, uh, and people who get excited about the idea of us discussing their films. I mean, I think that we're really, really, you know, the, the fact that we get to do this, the fact that we get to give their movies sort of a place in the sun some time in the spotlight sure uh where we we break them down piece by piece i mean they appreciate it we appreciate the fact that they care enough to listen uh and probably one of the most uh interesting was actually kind of recent it was uh leonardo, leonardo milan from uh, the movie vampire hunter actually dropped us a line on uh, our potomatic page and and said that he really enjoyed that episode he was actually the the bad guy uh, we, morgan morgan bain. bain we got a message from morgan bain <laughs> 
<laughs> I thought that was incredibly neat. What, what that and of course it was months after we actually recorded. Oh yeah, that yeah, episode. yeah, yeah. Exactly. We we had we got that. Uh, we were at least you know five to seven episodes after that. By that point, sure. I mean, it's just nice to be on the radar uh, to be. Uh, discussing these things in a kind of a lighthearted manner, not in a way that's ever meant to insult anyone, unless uh, you're the directors of The Summer of the Massacre or uh, <laughs> Gorno. <laughs> but but generally, we're not out to insult anyone. I think that really we're enthusiastic about uh, low-budget and ultra-no-budget films, but also we uh, I think we're really enthusiastic about promoting more of them we want if anyone if any of the movies we watch are not great it's not that we don't want people to make them we want them to be better so oh no exactly it's the exact opposite uh whenever whenever we talk whenever we talk about a film from a director and we don't like the movie it's not that we don't want to watch any more movies from that person we actually want to watch everything else that they've done to see if they've gotten better you know or uh i mean or worse you know you never know it's all it's it's an interesting situation no matter which direction you go and that gorno interview is a really good example of that great because example when, of that yeah i mean gorno people have come back to me and said that they listened to that episode and they said they've never heard us have less pleasure out of a movie that we were discussing <laughs> we obviously just really strongly disliked it but i mean that doesn't reflect badly on the the, the two creators who are obviously great guys well and it's fun it's really kind of funny uh thinking back to that interview uh which you know because we're talking about some of our favorite moments here and actually one of mine is in that interview where uh, where they admit that they went back and 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 looked at the movie again and well yeah and said, and said to themselves yeah this is really bad <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it, it it's difficult for us to accuse people uh of of anything outside of they tried their best didn't come together for a variety of reasons a lot of the times because of lack of effort or lack of budget or lack of talent sure. not even necessarily directing talent it just could be all the culmination of what's happening it just didn't come together mm-hmm. and we'll hear some tales of that from some of the interviews that are coming up in the rest of this show but i mean we've been so lucky just because the people that we've met have been so kind to us uh and and it's just made us i think even more enthusiastic about covering a more wide variety of films and meeting more of these people absolutely so I was thinking about uh, while you were talking. I was thinking uh, since I don't pay attention to you when you mm-hmm. speak, no, I, I was I, I was uh, I was thinking about uh, about some of my my favorite moments from episodes past, and uh, and I gotta say, you know, I know this is such an easy thing to say, and it's such an obvious you know <laughs> obvious one to say, but it has to be said, and that's. Uh, uh, basically, like us grasping onto uh, the Sasquatch attack noises, <laughs> and and turning it into a whole thing, you know, and how like basically now, like you know, like the suburban Sasquatch is essentially our you know unofficial mascot of the show. You know, I, I love it. I absolutely love that that's that that's happened, and I I love the suburban Sasquatch, and I love the Sas attack noises, and uh, it's just it you know. Uh, it, it's it's really uh, amazing. Speak, I, I l- speaking of which, oh, let's hear it. Tala, yeah, <laughs> Tala. Actually, on a similar note, I, one of the thing, the movies that I was most interested in before we watched and curious about afterwards, I keep going back to it. And I don't know why, because it's not notable in terms of content, but it was Redneck, Redneck County, County Fever. Redneck County Fever, of course. Which is a film, I mean, there's nothing great about it. it, it it's a curiosity, but it's, it, made, it just kind of, 
it locked into my brain it, it, just just the idea of what led to its creation. Why does it exist? How come there's so little record of it out there? I mean, there wasn't even an IMDb IMDb page, and uh, you know, we we actually had to 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 research it a little bit. We had yeah. to try to track down the people involved with it. And of course, when we saw one of the actors in Reanimator Academy, <laughs> it just sort of brought the whole thing back. It's like, oh my god, a clue. <laughs> It's yeah, exactly. It, bring, it brought the whole thing back to light. We're sitting there, you know, and we and we see the the. I I, I, I do we even know what that actor's name is? No, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I should also mention that Redneck County Fever didn't have credits, so there was no way to know who any of the people were, including the director. Well, th- that and uh, and Reanimator Academy's credits didn't have a director listed. And the one person we've been able to talk to about it has been "quote unquote" sworn to secrecy. So it's not like you know, it's not like we we're you know getting anywhere with with either of these mysteries. Yeah, yeah. The 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 one the director credited for Reanimator Academy uh, is just a pseudonym. It's <laughs> yeah. not even a real person's name. Judith Priest. Yeah, which is funny, kind of. <laughs> but <laughs> what this means, Mo, is that we have to research more uh, early nine, 90s Texas-based no-budget films and see if we can unravel this mystery. Exactly. It's exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else popping to mind? Well, you know what? I think that there was a point when we were started to record this show where the actual choice of what film we were going to cover became much less random. Mm. Uh, we actually started to make a schedule of the films that we were going to cover because we didn't want to get stuck with films that were entirely uninteresting. Now, we, we were kind of lucky with that anyway, uh, mostly because we were picking based on title. <laughs> 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 That's how we ended up with Gorno, by the way. Uh, but sometimes we were not so lucky. And uh, I, I think back to a film that I can't remember the name of. Human behavior? Human behavior. Holy shit, Mo. You remembered it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to say that watching human behavior was a highlight. <laughs> and it wasn't even that it was it was noticeably worse than any of the other films. I mean, it's, it's certainly no hip-hop locos. No, but... it, it was the most three-star movie we've ever seen. And I don't mean three stars and it was any good at all. But I mean, when I say three star, I mean middle of the road. Uh, it didn't make a bad impression or a good impression on us. It was just a movie we watched. And it was mostly like a police procedural. So it didn't even have really any, anything interesting to talk about. Yeah. And I mean, it, and it was stylus. And I mean, I can I remember that it was uninteresting, even while we were talking about it. Oh, yeah. But I don't remember the details of what it was about at all. I, I the sad thing is I do. I mean, basically, <laughs> you know, it was about it was about a guy uh, who's trying to solve this case, only to to eventually we find out that he's the one who committed the crime because he had been brainwashed. Spoiler alert! What? Uh, <laughs> I guess that was it. That does sound actually. I got to be honest, Mo. It doesn't sound familiar at all. But, uh... That's what happened, man. That's what happened. I can pro- I can tell you what I think my favorite moment from any of the films we've covered ha- has been, uh, and that would have to be Ruthie Love Doyle wrestling. <laughs> That, From the classic Las Vegas Las bloodbath. Vegas bloodbath. Yeah, I mean, think we're on episode thirty now. That was episode five. 
it it does seem like a long time ago to be honest. Like like episode like but the but the great thing about Las Vegas Bloodbath and I don't want to get too into this because we're going to talk about this later but uh the the thing that's great about Las Vegas Bloodbath is it was really the first movie that we watched where we said, "Oh, there's act there's actually good movies out there we can watch too. This this might actually be something." <laughs> Instead right, of just us the- torturing ourselves over and over again. Because we had some really bad luck with those first few episodes. We weren't picking movies specifically because they were bad. We were picking semi-randomly. I was recommending a few from that I had seen before that were probably a little torturous, but that wasn't necessarily the entire intention. So when we got Las Vegas Bloodbath, it was very much a case of, we're having fun. We're talking about this goofy, ridiculous, crazy movie. Exactly. Uh, and, 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 and we want other people to watch it too, and we want to talk about it with these other people. Uh, I sometimes worry that we'll we'll never I mean if you go back and listen to that first episode the hip hop locos episode obviously we were just trying to find our feet and sure. know what we were trying to do uh I sometimes wish we had a second swing at hip hop locos even though I don't ever want to watch it again just because I think we could do such a better job now mm. Yeah no you're absolutely right we uh, I I definitely think we could uh, but I mean if you look back Oh, I'm sorry. Las Vegas Bloodbath was episode four. Four. But, but if you look back at the at the first three episodes, it was Hip Hop Locos, Scarlet Fry's Junk Food uh. Horror Fest, and The Summer of the Massacre. Uh. <laughs> and those I, I, and those three still rank very high in the worst movies we've seen. I'd, I'd put two of those in the top three. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> and those were the yeah. first episodes we, we did. And those are the first movies we did. That's nuts. Yeah, we uh, we obviously we do suffer for our art, and I no wonder people appreciate it. Mm. You know what? We deserve more accolades. <laughs> what? What? Before we before we continue on with our with our further accolades, um, what would you call your favorite moment uh, from from any movie we've seen so far? Gosh, I don't want to take uh, an obvious pick, and and a lot of you know what I have to go with. Maybe it's because it's recent in my mind. Maybe it's because it gave me so much pleasure. But our recent viewing, really recent, of the Canadian classic science craze <laughs> has it's 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 had a strange effect on me. I mean, I, oh I feel me too, like, me too, me too. Like I I just want to talk about it all the time. I, people who are talking about movies, I'm like, yeah, no, stop talking about that. Let's talk about <laughs> science craze. Well, it's funny when uh when when I when I first heard about science craze, like I said, it was through Josh Johnson and uh and that Austin crowd. And, and and the thing that I noticed is after they watched it, they talked about it nonstop. Sure. And now I completely understand why. <laughs> but if I had to pick a moment, and this isn't truly a moment because that movie isn't composed of moments. Doesn't have moments. <laughs> it would have to be that, I mean, really what has to be one of the strangest scenes, if you can call it that, in the history of movies mm. where it's just an extended exercise slash dance routine uh, <laughs> not even a routine really just a session uh between uh, a very a, a skinny woman and a slightly overweight woman and the killer <laughs> is after them the, the the fiend and the scene just it's endless it is amazing i mean nobody could watch that and think why like they couldn't think that this is th- how a movie is supposed to be <laughs> it's like the entire rules of movie making no longer exists. Well, I think the joke we made is that is that that scene is as long as the rape scene in Irreversible. Yeah, and equally hard to watch. I mean, it it is. 
you watch it with this look on your face of, oh, no, he can't, he can't, he's not going to keep going with this. It's not going to keep going And on. it just keeps going. And not just, it doesn't just keep going. It goes on for like another six or seven minutes after you think that. I mean, oh, it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, oh, yeah, without without a doubt. Uh, you know, your mind's uh, clock, you know, like your internal clock thinks, okay, now's the time to kill off these girls or do whatever you're going to do and then move on to the next scene. And It's, it's not just... going to come back to his feet again, and is it? it? There's no way. <laughs> and then every time, it, and it almost kind of becomes like, um, you know, it almost comes, it kind of becomes like comedy torture mm-hmm. where, where, you know, it keeps coming back to his feet and every time it does, you just, you kind of chuckle to yourself and you're like, I... I is there something wrong with my DVD? Like, am, is, is this broken? Like, is it on a loop and I just don't know about it? And and I got to tell you, there were plenty of moments during that movie where I thought that my I thought that my uh, that my copy had had broken and was just looping. And <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually a, a, an interesting thing to note because that moment, while it's incredibly notable and it's the one that sticks in my mind, there's at least three or four sections of that film that are exactly as ponderous and strange and entirely incomprehensible as that. What a great piece of shit that movie is. <laughs> and I think that's a great uh, a great spot to move on to our to our next thing. So we got a uh, we got an email uh coming up from uh, from a listener and uh, and then we'll move on to our interview with uh, Derek Bernier. And friend of the show, Paul Freitag Fay writes in, Hey folks, just wanted to shoot you a message of congrats on 30 episodes worth of looks into some of the most amazingly oddball, forgotten, low-budget flicks in the world. It's great you guys are continuing to do this because, honestly, anything to save me the trouble of watching Ant Farm Dickhole. Keep up the great work, sirs. Thanks, Paul, for listening. Uh, yeah, we will continue to do that, and um, uh, maybe we might actually watch a good movie, too. Uh, enjoy Science Crazed. All right, and uh, we are here today talking with Derek Burn. Sorry, I fucked up your last name already. Let me try it again. Doug, you're terrible at this. I know, I know, I know, I know. It's the Canadian. I'm trying to overtake it. Okay, we're here with Derek Bernier. Bernier, the uh, uh, who cared. (laughs) You want to try that one more time? Yeah, this will be it. All right, we're here with Derek Bernier. We're going to be talking about some of his experiences uh, with uh, Tachit. He's actually appeared in several of the films that we've covered on No Budget Nightmares, Mo and myself, uh, including Zombie Rampage and Nightmare Asylum, and some of the films that I've seen outside of that, like Prehistoric Bimbos and Armageddon City, which I'm sure we'll cover at some point. Derek, it's so good to have you here. Ah, it's great to be here. I'm uh, glad you guys hooked me up on Facebook. It's, it's good stuff. Derek plays my uh, my favorite character name of any Todd Sheets movie ever, and that's Shlooby. <laughs> That's right. We are talking. That, that was that was an interesting experience. All right. <laughs> now, Derek, tell us a little bit about how you got involved uh, with acting in films and how you got involved with Todd Sheets in particular. Well, it was really completely by luck. Uh, I was in high school at the time, and uh, Aaron Kerr was had been, I guess, had met Todd somehow. He's the guy who plays a uh, shit. I don't even remember the character's name, but he's the He's a good guy in uh, zombie, whatever. Rampage. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, zombie rampage. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a. He was Dave. He was also the makeup artist for the time, and he went to high school with me. And I knew some other guys in high school that he had gotten involved in the film. Uh, Brian Everard, um, Beth Belante, uh, 
And one day Brian just said, hey, you know, we're doing this low-budget film. We always need extras. Uh, why don't you come on down? So that, that was it. I, I was the only one who showed up in costume. Because <laughs> I was like, well, this sounds like super fun. Maybe I didn't know that they weren't filming that night. So I showed up as like this homeless dude with <laughs> mismatched shoes. I, it was horrible. I looked like an idiot. But uh, that's how I got started in it. Now, throughout the early 90s, you were a regular part of the Todd Sheets films. I know you played Hammer Spike in Zombie Rampage, uh, but in uh, Bimbo's BC and in Prehistoric Bimbo's in Armageddon City, you actually had a pretty major role as a salacious thatch. What about your <laughs> presence in Zombie Rampage made him want to give you a bigger part in that, those movies? Honestly, it was the uh, Todd and I were, became really good friends for a while. And uh, after Zombie Rampage ended, I was kind of the only one who stuck around. <laughs> uh, <laughs> at, at the end, as it was nearing the end, it was me and Aaron Kerr. And then after Zombie Rampage, he just disappeared, stopped talking to any of us. Um, some girls had come along late in the uh, production that he had met. Uh, I think Dana's still working with him. Um, I'm not really sure. I haven't talked to most of them in like close to 15 years at least. But, uh, yeah, I, I stuck around and I was really excited about it. And that just kind of went from there. Were they fun sets to work on? I mean, were generally, was it pretty relaxed or did it get a little bit stressful sometimes? Honestly, it was some of the most fun I've ever had in my life. It was I mean, you can tell by looking at the films that it wasn't exactly a professional setup here. <laughs> My uh, banana. It was mostly just a bunch of friends hanging out with a uh, with a camcorder. I mean, the very first Zombie Rampage that was the first real like film try, Todd tried to do. As far as I know, it's the only one that had a complete script. <laughs> You'd never uh, know. He he'd write scripts for other ones for like the next couple, but. Really, after the first couple of pages, it just became an ad-lib mess. But with uh, Zombie Rampage, we actually had a script, and it wasn't bad. Um, it gave you that when I read it, it gave me the uh, Return of the Living Dead feel, so I was super excited. Um, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you answered it. I mean, it was really about how enjoyable the sets were to actually be on. Oh. And I think yeah. it really does come across that the movies are sort of, to some extent, made up as they go along. And you're right, Zombie Rampage, and that was one of the things that surprised me about checking it out, was that it does seem like, at least for most of it, that there's a plan, that everything's well, supposed to connect in a certain way. Well, we mentioned, we mentioned in our podcast, and uh, you were right about several aspects, like the film quality suffers uh, a drastic change. At the start of production, we had, uh, Todd actually had hired like a real uh, filmographer. I mean, guy came in with like a $30,000 camera. He would set up. <laughs> we would shoot. It was great. Um, and then, I don't know, about halfway through it, I think he realized he was never going to get paid for anything. <laughs> and so he took off, and we started filming with a camcorder. Um, the reason the ending, I forget what the actual ending was supposed to be, but the reason it's so really abrupt 
It's because actors would just stop coming. <laughs> and as they would drop out, we'd have to redo stuff around them. <clears throat> but uh, it got really weird. And then for like a year, two years later, we'd go out and just film some nonsense to make filler for the movie. So, uh, yeah, that scene with the elevator where the zombies are crawling up, that was really the last thing we filmed. But, man, we had this crappy little hole uh, in downtown Kansas City that we filmed in all winter. And, man, it was freezing cold. Like, I'm, 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 I've got, I'm shaking just kind of thinking about how very <laughs> freaking cold it was. And uh, the building next door... Like, at one point, it had been attached, but they demolished it, and then the building on the other side of that was, like, scheduled for demolishment. Homeless people lived in it. It was crazy. But it was it was always a blast working on these things, because it really, it was just hanging out with your friends, doing weird stuff together, and there was a lot of hope and optimism to it. It must have been interesting, because they were done at such a pace. I mean, there was, like, five movies in five years. Uh, I was wondering, Derek... You're not credited as having any appearances or even uh, cat, uh, or even crew uh, work on Sorority Babes in the Dantathon of Death. Were, were you involved in that in any way? I showed up for a couple of days, did some makeup. I think you see me way in the background as an extra in a couple of scenes. But I really – that was when uh, Todd first met Dave Dakota. Right. And uh, I don't know. I didn't even get – I actually – that was kind of – that kind of signaled the end of my involvement. It was, it, it was, I was still working with him for a long time after that, but that was the beginning because I never got called for it. And it, it, it was petty of me, but at the time it kind of bugged me. I mean, I can kind of see why, since you were there right from the beginning, and he obviously, yeah. not only were you friends with him, but you also were, you know, you were getting bigger parts in the productions as a whole, and you were doing all this behind-the-scenes stuff. You know, it's one of those things where, like you said, everyone had a lot of optimism, and part of that optimism is the hope that if the productions get bigger, that you get to go along with it. Yeah, that, that was kind of it. That was really kind of it. That's what it all boiled down to is he expected me to keep in touch with him, uh, and that's cool. Maybe he should have. I don't know. Maybe I should have tried harder. But at the same time, I expected him to keep in touch with me. Sure. Now, no and when I showed up and, you know, he started getting other guys who would follow him much closer and basically hang out with him 24 hours a day. This isn't anything bad about them or anything bad about Todd, but uh, I had my own things going on and they were doing their thing. And I just, it, it just, it started phasing out. Derek, you were talking to me briefly once about, uh, I, I had made a joke on Facebook about uh, not how you're not supposed to use real weapons to, when you're filming, and you had commented oh, on Lord. that about <laughs> about uh, Todd using real weapons in, in his films. Were, were, there, were there any, like, really close calls? Yeah, there, there was something, there was many close calls. <laughs> Most of the close calls didn't really have to do with the weapons, though. Oh. The weapons were dull. They, I mean, they were real steel, but I mean, it was all most of it. Like ninety percent of the weapons in Bimbo's BC came out of my trunk. <laughs> but uh, the closest call was when we were filming Goblin, and uh, I don't know. I, I played the Goblin for most of the movie. Some other people filled in for other scenes, but 
there was a scene when uh, I don't know. I, I come, I break into this. The goblin breaks into this woman's apartment, throws her down, and then takes a drill to her eyeball. And uh, Todd was having me stand above this woman, a really good friend of mine named Amber. Uh, but I was standing above her with this active power drill in my hands, like an inch away from her eyeball. Oof. And he kept saying, get closer, get closer. <laughs> Meanwhile, sweat's just pouring off my head. Eventually, I had to say, no, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to. No, that, that was the most, that was the closest call for me. I didn't like it. And uh, other than that, it was just bullshit around the set. Like, he's filmed in like a 120-year-old house. Mm. I'd go to change a light bulb, get shocked, and knock halfway across the room. Or there was this, the original Catacombs Haunted House in Kansas City was this uh, old castle. Uh, remnants of it might still be there, but at some point it burned down, so we thought it'd be a great place to film. Well, that's great until, you know, floors and walls start crumbling. <laughs> on you. Nothing major ever really happened, and really it was by the skin of our teeth and the grace of God, I mean... It was ridiculous. Well, Nightmare Asylum taught us how much Todd likes to film in uh, in haunted, quote unquote, haunted houses. <laughs> well, that was uh, the Devil's Dark Side. Yeah. Todd and I worked there for several years, but the first year we worked there, he had gotten permission to film Nightmare Asylum in there, and uh, <laughs> we tried to use it for every last bit of worth we could. Oh, we could tell. <laughs> yeah, Mike and Banana. <laughs> that was the, I think that was the second real movie we did. Like, that was that was the movie we did right after uh, Zombie Rampage. Yeah, me and Doug talk. And me, it, and, me and Doug talk about that. About how uh, the difference between Zombie Rampage and uh, and 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 Nightmare Asylum and like how I mean and, and so now you saying that you saying that Zombie Rampage was the was the only real film that had like a quote unquote real script it it, well, it, it kind of makes more Nightmare sense Asylum now Nightmare Asylum started out with a real script it actually started out <laughs> it, it didn't get finished um and even reading the script i was like i don't have a clue what's going on here it's just like the people under the stairs on LSD i don't understand but we went with it and every week we were, every people were bringing in their friends to work as extras. It, it was some craziness. You know what I really like about Nightmare Asylum, and there isn't a lot that I like about it. As some <laughs> people know, uh, is that the 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 interplay between your character and Todd Sheets' character in that film. It seems really natural. You can kind of tell that you guys were, were pretty close at that time. But I think you mentioned, and uh, and we discussed this a little bit on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook page, but most of that dialogue uh, was, was improvised? Pretty much every word of dialogue. There there was no dialogue ever written down. Everything <laughs> in that movie was, was ad-libbed and improvised. Um, we'd get like five minutes to set up a scene and... That was it. Once once the camera was ready to roll, we were really going. <laughs> so, so 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 somebody ha had to improvise the line, Mike and Kumquat. That uh, <laughs> well, that's, if that, I recall that... correctly, that was Jerry who said that, and man, <laughs> he could pull that stuff out of his out of his ass like like a box of Kleenex. Like every time he's pulling one out, here comes another one right after That guy said the weirdest stuff. And I love <laughs> well, it. Well, the back, the back and forth between him and Todd is, is hilarious in that, in that movie. Oh yeah. 
I mean, not in a good way, um, but I mean, but really, <laughs> really funny. Oh yeah, no, Jerry, Jeremy, and Todd had a dynamic that I tried to get in on that, but they they had watched the same god awful movies, <laughs> and I, I love me some B movies. Don't get me wrong, Ice Pirates to this day is one of my favorite movies of all time. But uh, they had watched every god-awful, third-rate slasher film that ever came down the pike. And uh, they just had a a wealth of knowledge that I couldn't come close to. And they'd watched all these together and just, that was it. Those guys were, shared the same brain, basically. Now, Derek, your uh, your last film with uh, with Todd... uh was bimbos in time, or at least that's the last credited one. But, uh, and I guess after that, you know, you, you kind of went on. <laughs> um, no, I wasn't, I wasn't a part of bimbos in time. Oh, okay. they made that one without me. That was, that one kind of bugged me that they made it without me, but I had a whole lot going on in my life and more or less just nobody ever called me about it. Sure. I think they, uh, they might've used like old footage of you in it. That's very possible. Uh, a friend of mine, Augie Alvarez, um, he was in it, and actually, that uh, while I wasn't in Bimbo's in Time, I did come back for Moonchild. Oh, and uh, Algie and I became really close friends, and he actually is the one who did the art for the comic book for Bimbo's in Time. <laughs> so I can't say much, but I can say that I've been immortalized in the comic book, or at least my character has. Derek, I want to—I just got to ask you quickly. You're sometimes credited. Your last name is sometimes credited as IE for a Bernier or, or EI. Is it because they credited you incorrectly in the movies or did you just go by both? Uh, it's because when Todd was doing it, he was editing all these things at the uh, public broadcasting station. Right. And he would be working till like four in the morning and he'd forget how to spell people's names. Or I mean, really, if he were to try and list the credits that everybody did factually, mm. he, the credits would be like 10 times as long because everybody did like 12 things there. I mean, there wasn't a movie that I worked on that I wasn't also, you know, setting up lights and doing makeup and just whatever, working the camera. That's <laughs> just the way it was. Sure. Now, Derek, these uh, movies were, I mean, it's it's almost hard to believe. It was about 20 years ago now. Uh, that that uh, that that those that the kind of the big block of those films happened. It, have you done any acting since then? And do you sometimes have a lot of nostalgia for the times that you were making those movies? I haven't done any acting since then. I have tons of nostalgia. When I first moved down here to Arkansas, uh, I got a job as a video production artist for a film or for a crew called. Uh, Birthline Productions, and I say crew, and it was really just me and the owner. <laughs> but mostly what we did was, like, safety videos for J.B. Hunt or anything like that. Um, just people needed a video made, like an instructional video or a safety video, or we'd go shoot weddings, whatever. And uh, I think the reason I got the gig is because uh, I could do some of the special effects work, uh, like gore effects and stuff like that. And so I did that for a couple of years, and the guy kept talking about, well, one of these days we're going to start making movies. And after, like, three years of that, I was like, you're never going to start making movies. I'm out of here. (laughs) Well, Derek, 
we really appreciate you taking a little time to talk to us about this. You know, when we discovered who you were, uh, we were so excited just because this is exactly the sort of thing that we love, Mo and myself, where we get to meet some of the personalities. You know, we, we are a little bit critical when we're doing our podcast, but really it's just because we love these sort of movies. Oh, my God, man. You don't have to apologize for being critical. I, I, I keep those movies hidden away. <laughs> <laughs> Like my friends keep all like, dude, can we see your movies? I'm like, no, no, it'll take a lot more alcohol for me to sit through one of those. Well, we love seeing you in the movies, and we're hoping we're hoping that we'll uh, be able to cover some more of your appearances in the future. But so, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Absolutely, anytime. And I may have come across as kind of negative. Let me just reiterate that <laughs> I love these movies. I loved working on them, but. Uh, it doesn't do well to have your buddies make fun of you for the next two years over something like that. So well, I learned my lesson. At the end of the day, you acted in some feature-length movies that are still being talked about today, and uh, I bet they can't. Hey, we got, thanks hey. to Dave Dakota, we got international distribution. Yeah. I'm happy as a clam. Never made a dime <laughs> off of it. Doesn't bother me in the slightest. Plus, I got guys like you every now and then looking me up and be all like, hey, buddy. So I'm grateful. Hey, hey, Zombie Rampage is still to this day one of the best birthday presents I've ever received. So that's awesome. It, it has a uh, a, a very uh, it has a spot of honor on my uh, on my VHS shelf. Well, I've loved meeting you guys, and uh, like I said, if, if we were closer, we'd be hanging out. So. <laughs> that would be uh, that would be an experience. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. All right. Uh, <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Yeah, thanks, Derek. We'll be talking to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Doug and Mo, it's me, your slice of man from the West Coast of these United States. Your listeners may know me as the person who has never, ever called into the podcast before. They may also know me as the guy who likes to get attention by running up to people, pointing at his crotch and winking. You, however, know me as G, the editor-in-chief of DailyGrindhouse.com. That dirty little secret of a website full of sleaze and tease from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and other random decades of exploitation and decadence. No Budget Nightmare starred out on DG as the brainchild of the king of the Great White North, your humble host, Mr. Doug Tilly. It quickly grew into a media empire, which is now responsible for over 60% of the internet traffic on the web, in addition to being solely responsible for the renewed interest in Steve Gutenberg, a little-known fact of DG history. You've also been responsible for being the one and only column and podcast that actually got DailyGrindhouse.com into a baseless legal scuffle after a no-talent twat decided that he could dictate what we say and do by demanding we take down a review of his shit pile of a film. He doesn't, and we didn't. In unrelated news, if your listeners are looking to stab their eyeballs with cinematic needles, may I recommend Summer of Massacre? <laughs> it really is a piece of shit. I usually don't agree much with IMDb reviews, but the 1.7 stars is as generous as a pair of double D-sized tits. Feel free to write the director of the film, Mr. Joe Castro, and tell him what you think. Then check your email and respond appropriately to the baseless legal threats. If you're not pissing anybody off, you're not doing your job. And Doug and Mo, you piss them off by the truckloads. As far as you know, I've never missed an episode of No Budget Nightmares, and I plan to not miss more in the future. All kidding aside, I think you guys give voice to films which deserve to be seen for the good or the bad hopefully when people are listening to you guys deconstruct somebody's effort they're picking up tips and tricks to be able to properly execute a film 
to get ideas on how to make their films better with little to no money. I mean, I think it does us all ultimately a service. Who wants to sit through fucking Summer of Massacre again when there is so many different science crazes to be seen? DailyGrindhouse.com is proud to be the home of No Budget Nightmares. Then again, I'm also proud of the fact that I took a shit that looked like the letter D. So, shows you what I know. Good looking out. Oh, did, uh, did, uh, did John Cross record some elaborate motherfucking song? Did he? Oh, I hate that bitch. But I love his beard.
with all sincerity. Fuck you, uh, obviously. Um, but uh, loved every single episode of the 30 episodes. I'm going to love the next 30. Uh, keep doing them, you pair of bearded beauties. Uh, very proud to know you. And, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me on the show once. Um, and uh, your continued support and uh, everything else. It's great, really. Um, but all, all that considered, uh, fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Sleazy parent. <laughs> All right, so we had a nice little audio message from uh, from our fearless leader G down at uh, Daily Grindhouse, and uh, and what a lovely song from uh, <laughs> from Mr. John Cross from the After Movie Diner. It was uh, r- real top notch, fella. I'm I'm really glad uh, I'm really glad you you did that for us. It's uh, I mean, granted, you tell us to fuck off through the entire song, but hey, why not? Well, he said he he distinctly says "fuck you," and I'm, I imagine he's talking about you, Mo, and I'm sure he wasn't referring to me. <laughs> Believe me, he was thinking "fuck you" enough on what recent episode I guessed it on his show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's that's uh, uh, the idea of someone writing songs about this show. <laughs> it's still a bit mind blowing. It, it it really is, yeah. Um, but he did it. He did it in good fun. Uh, you know, I mean, we did say that he was going to be the only guest, and then here we are doing a uh, doing an episode entirely based around uh, people <laughs> sending in stuff to us. And we should yeah. say that that's John Cross, of course, the uh, host of the After Movie Diner. I podcast. did. I I did in fact say that. Well, I'm saying <laughs> again, and of, and he he of course, as he mentioned in the song, uh, was the only guest host we've ever had on this program, and he was a guest host because we were featuring. The film that I was involved in, that I co-wrote, uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Fall of the Original Sex. Uh, a, a movie that I am very glad to say has been mentioned very few times since yeah. that episode. Well, Me- that mentioned, song. Has, mentioned has, mentioned has... almost every episode before, <laughs> and then thankfully, <laughs> fallen off the face of the earth afterwards. Very much a case of getting it out of my system, apparently. I know. We only talked about uh, well. Let's see. The movie was was like seventy minutes long or whatever, and uh, and we talked about it for like two and a half hours. So. It was amazing. It was amazing. Actually, uh, as a little uh, addendum to that, uh, uh, Robert Long, friend of the show, uh, he actually private messaged me a few days ago to say that he had watched the show. Uh, sorry, he had watched the movie Rock Paper Scissors and in- had enjoyed it very much. Oh well. You know, there's no accounting for taste, I guess. There is no accounting <laughs> for taste. Thank goodness. Thank right. goodness for the fans out there listening. All right, so we're we're kind of we're kind of uh, you know uh, uh, avoiding the the topic we we we're supposed to be talking about now. Let's let's give some let's give some history here. Why don't Why don't you go into the history? Oh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna. This is it was, br- it was briefly me- it was briefly mentioned during uh, during uh, G's uh, audio message to us. Uh, right, right, of course. Well, what happened was, and let me preface this, that we're not going to be out to attack anybody. We're just laying down the facts as they occurred. Uh, and this is something that we had alluded to a few times and certainly have alluded to since, but never with any specifics. So we just want to make sure that we get it off our chest so we can move forward. Uh, there was a controversial thing that happened uh, many months ago, uh, about mm, maybe the end of the first quarter of 2012, one of the early episodes we did was covering a film called Terror Tunes. Uh, episode that, 9, I believe. Episode 9, yeah. So pretty early in the run. And uh, after that, a few months later, I actually had an opportunity to uh, review the latest film by the director of Terror Tunes, Joe Castro. 
And uh, as some people know, uh, since this podcast runs bi-weekly, on alternating weeks, I actually interview people who make no-budget and low-budget films, and I review the films on Daily Grindhouse. So I had an interview with Joe Castro, and it went really well. It was actually really, really interesting because he's had a really fascinating career, and he's worked in makeup and things along those lines. Uh, And he seemed really pleased with it. In fact, he seemed incredibly happy with how the whole thing turned out. I had posted the interview on the site, (laughs) and then I went out to do other things. And when I returned, something very bizarre had occurred. Well, didn't you post a link to you, you posted a link to our show? What happened was that during the course of the interview, one of the things I mentioned is that we had talked about Terror Tunes on the uh, website previously and that we didn't necessarily like it. I alluded to that in the interview. So at the beginning of the interview, once I posted it, I actually posted a link to our podcast of, of covering Terror Tunes. And he listened to that podcast and did not appreciate it no. at all. No. <laughs> no, he didn't. And his reaction is what... Like, that can certainly happen. I imagine if some of the films that we particularly didn't enjoy, if if the directors didn't have good humor, like uh, like the directors of Gorno, that they might be a little upset over the review. I mean, I don't think you can fault us for our opinion, because we do go through the film step by step over the entire running time of the film itself to break down what we liked and didn't like. Mm. But uh, Joe's reaction in this case was particularly volatile. He uh, First, he started sending me text messages to my email uh, by the dozens. Well, the thing that I thought that was the, the thing that I thought that was uh, sort of wild about the whole situation was that when it started, it almost seemed like he was like playing at being mad. Yeah, because we, could, we couldn't imagine that he would have been upset, especially because he had been so genial up to that point. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're right. At first, we just thought that he was kind of kidding around. Uh, I had added him on on Facebook, and uh, and he was sending those text messages. And at first, they were just kind of like jokes, or at least we interpreted them as jokes. <laughs> and then, and this will uh, this is actually gets referenced a little later on, as you might hear. Uh, he sent some photoshopped <laughs> gay porn. I got to tell you, you know, uh, uh, Terror Tunes may have been a, a, a pile of shit, you know, but. That Photoshop job was fantastic. I mean, the weird thing was for the interview, the, the film that I was covering for that, his film, The Summer of the Massacre, not to be, not to be confused with, with The Summer yeah. of the Massacre, uh, I gave it a positive review. I liked it uh, quite a bit. So it, it was bizarre when his reaction, and then his reaction got a little bit more, like the gay porn stuff. Remember, I sent it to you, and we <laughs> thought it was just a... He was I thought it was hilarious. I, yeah. I cleaned it up and posted it to my... Uh, to my Twitter, I believe. Yeah. You know, because I thought it was funny. I thought it was just a joke. And then when things started to get more serious, I took it down. I'm like, you know what? I, I don't want yeah. you know, I don't, I don't want this floating around. But, um, but he then yeah. demanded that, that we take the interview down yeah. from, from Daily Grindhouse. And he, then he started making uh, what I would have interpreted, and I can only say how I interpreted as as threatening remarks. Uh, and he sent well, they photos. Were, they, were taken cr- they were creepy at the least. At the least. Well, he started sending photos of my family members from my Facebook, like screenshots from his computer of him. I mean, it was just, I don't know why, like pictures of my mother and my nephew and things like that. And it was all, all I mean, very baffling. Yeah, it was incredibly baffling and somewhat disturbing. And that's when the threats of legal action against us started. Yeah. And that took things to an entirely <laughs> bigger level. 
uh, and illogical. I mean, just really just getting crazy at that point. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, we had, I mean, I don't want to, I, I kind of don't want to go into too much detail as far as all of that stuff is concerned, sure. but, uh, but I mean, yeah, basically it came down to, uh, uh, some, you know, some threats of legal action, uh, against us, against the site, against all this other stuff. And basically when it came down to it, you know, we kind of just contacted, uh, the guys over at daily grindhouse and said, Hey, what do you want to do with this? You know? And they said, we'll deal with it. And we, and we haven't really been part of it since, uh, right. but from what, from what I, from what I've heard is that it's, is that daily grindhouse really isn't involved anymore. Uh, now it's sort of just between Joe Castro and was it breaking glass? Uh, right. But obviously yeah. we can't speak to any details. No, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, Cause I don't even know. I don't even know any of the details at that point, but I mean, but it's just, it's just, we're not really involved anymore. And in fact, we haven't been involved since day two of the, uh, you know, of the, the incident itself, you know, basic it's been, it's been between daily grindhouse and, and, and them. And if you listen back to the episodes uh, around that time period, you can actually, you'll be, I'll probably be able to tell if you were listening to those episodes in sequence, exactly when that incident occurred, because the episode immediately afterwards, not only do we vaguely refer to it, but you can tell that we're very kind of, there's a little bit more anxiety in regards to <laughs> how we're referring to the movies. Um, well, on your, I'll, on your end. Maybe just on my end. Yeah. It, it shook me up. I'm not going to lie. It actually disturbed me in a way that, that made me question whether I wanted to keep doing this or not. Because I'm not in this to insult people, and I'm not in this to make people upset in general. And to be and, and to be honest with you, to be I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to be honest with you, um, if you go back and you listen to that episode of Terror Tunes, we're as complimentary to them as we are critical i think is the word yeah cr- yeah critical is the right word word to use yeah but i mean you know like like yeah exactly we you know there's there's constructive and you know destructive criticism within the same within the same sentence you know we're not i don't think i don't think it leaned one way more than the other i mean no we didn't like the movie but there were definitely aspects of the film that we did like in fact i remember us talking on the episode it's like well we want to see the sequels because there's two of them we we want to see if they improve on this because obviously it wasn't made for very much money so yeah the whole the whole experience it really did leave a bad taste in my mouth i'll be honest even talking about it right now still gives me a certain amount of anxiety Mm. uh (laughs) maybe that's just part of my personality but uh it's it has made me a little more reticent to um to well certainly to add a lot of these directors on Facebook. Yeah. Uh but also, you know, just just in terms of making sure that well, everyone just, who just... I talk to is aware of what we do. But think about it this way. For for every for every Joe Castro that we've encountered, you know, we've encountered the Gorno guys, we've encountered Sean uh Sean Gallimore, we've encountered, you know, like all these other people who have been so cool to us about you know about our reaction to their movies you know i mean we're like we don't pull punches and and i am never going to pull punches when it comes to what i what i like or don't like about somebody's movie um now do i claim to be a filmmaker no you know but i mean but i you know but i do consider myself uh, an editor of sorts and i do consider uh, i do think that i know how to put something together um and I think that I, I think I am qualified to say whether or not a movie is, is good or not, or what, or what is or isn't good about a movie. Well, I will say, Mo, and sorry to interrupt you, but the, <laughs> if I can make any statement on what you just said, I took a movie that I worked on for a year and a half. Yeah. 
right? And I put it on the show specifically so we could tear it apart. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right? And it, it, believe me, no one uh, lived and breathed a movie more than I lived and breathed that one. And, and I recognize its limitations. And I recognize, hey, if you're going to put it out to the public, then you have to expect that sometimes people are going to be critical about it. Not, not to mention the fact that, I mean, like, um, you know, that, that when you th- – this is such like a fringe thing anyway. I mean, it's, su- it's such a, a, a niche sort of mm-hmm. market that, that – you know, really, only a very small number of people are go- are going to enjoy it anyway. You know, so I mean, so when somebody doesn't like your movie, I, it sh- I mean, it shouldn't be that big of a of a kick to the nuts. You know? Yeah. Anyway, I think we uh, we have cleansed ourselves. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've we've, we've breathed in the clean, breathed out, breathed in the good, breathed out the bad. Uh, but there is one other uh, <laughs> s- secret we've been holding on to. Uh, you know, on the show, and I and I want to touch on it briefly before we get to uh, the email from this actual uh, entity, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. Uh, you know, and I give I give a ba- I give sort of a of a basic you know background on you know because when we got the emails, we were recording them ourselves because we don't have to stumble on them live. But so I give I give a little bit of background on it, but I want to go into a little more detail. And that is nasty nuts. Yes, nasty nuts. <laughs> Remember all those times, Doug, when we were saying we weren't getting any emails from anybody? <laughs> we were getting one person was sending us emails. One person was sending us emails pretty much every show, uh, starting about episode 15. And that person is nasty nuts. So before I get into this next um, email, I want to I wanna give a little backstory on this. Uh, this is one of those things that we've very vaguely discussed uh, on the show, and I think we're going to go into more detail on it in this episode, if that hasn't already happened. But basically, starting around the the episode 17, the Robot Ninja episode, uh, we, we started getting uh, emails from this guy calling himself Nasty Nuts. Um, for a long time, you know, we had I- an idea of who it was. Uh, it was really only until maybe like last week or the week before when we started talking about this 30th episode uh, that the person who was doing these emails finally, I, I think inadvertently made themselves known. And, um, and, and so and so we're going to finally read one of these emails because basically, like, I know for a fact that this person wanted these emails read on, on air and we haven't read any of them we uh it got to the point where we were where like the 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 next day after we would post an episode we would get an email from nasty nuts and uh and and this is and 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 then it kind of it kind of tapered off around episode like 25 26 and we haven't really heard from him since but uh uh but you know he he came back with a vengeance for uh for episode 30 so i'm gonna read you the nasty nuts email for episode 30 and it goes a little something like this. Hey, Mo. Hey, Doug. Nasty Nuts is back in the house one more time to celebrate you breaking your 30-episode hymen. That's right. No Budget Nightmares has lost its podcast virginity. It has been a rather dirty ride these past 30 episodes. There have been dildo cameras, ant farms and dick holes, barely legal lesbian vampires, and a hobo slayer. Two of you have soiled my eardrums with this profane and ludicrous audio. I had to take two, no three, no four showers after each show in order to feel clean again. Moe's voice is very dirty and sexually charged, but I won't get into that. After listening to your recent science-crazed episode, I hopped in the shower. 
I slipped, twisted my ankle, and smashed my throat off the edge of the bathtub. Now I limp, and I breathe very heavily. I want to choke you for causing these injuries. I'm going to choke you, Holmes. Choke you out. In all seriousness, I love you guys. It's one of my greatest pleasures to hear you talk about bloodbaths in Las Vegas or rock and roll space patrols. It gets me off in ways you couldn't even imagine. Oh, Doug. Oh, Mo. I'm glad you're in my life. Nasty Nuts out! Alright, so after that uh, bit of unpleasantness, I think it's time to uh, to have a little chat. What do you say, Doug? No, I don't think that's a good idea at all. <laughs> you son of a bitch! <laughs> Always a pain in the ass. Well, we've got somebody with us, so uh, Doug, why don't you take it from here and uh, in- introduce our guest. No, I'm not going to do that either. Oh my god, you are such an ass. <laughs> uh, we have with us, uh, David, how do you pronounce your last name? Sitbon. Sitbon. So we have David Sitbon, who uh, regular listeners of the show will recognize, actually recognize, which is very exciting, uh, both from his performance in Suburban Sasquatch uh, and from his performance in And From Dick Hole, which we covered. And you also have a producing credit on uh, Stephen Granger's Super Tremet action movie Go, which is a. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> David, I actually wanted to ask you, first of all, you're a, a funeral director? Yes. Or you're a licensed funeral director and a mortuary officer. How did that cross over into low-budget film producing and acting? Well, um, I I was a funeral director and bomber first. And then um, I didn't really climb the ladder too well because I was the first in my family to be a funeral director. So I moved over into doing autopsies. So then after that, I became a mortuary officer for... For the feds, for um, DMORT, which is Disaster Mortuary Operational Response Team. And as I was working with autopsies, uh, do you guys ever remember the show Hack on CVS? Oh, yeah. Morris was a cab driver. Nope. (laughs) No? Yeah, it it only lasted two seasons. No, I remember it when it was on, yeah. Okay. Well, um, they had a Thanksgiving episode where this... uh, customer of his dies in the backseat of his cab and he wants to go to the morgue and find out about this unknown stranger and try to help find family for this poor soul and they came to my place and we cleaned it up and everything was spick and span for the tv show hack to come in take photographs and so they could recreate it on on their set uh, so they can have like a little viewing realistic area. And, and anyway, um, I came to work early that day and they, they were done and gone. I couldn't believe it. And I was so disappointed. And that night I just went online. I looked up everything I could under hack, all the casting agencies, the producers, anything I could find associated with the show. And, um, my wife was laughing at me. She thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> and, um, you know, a couple of weeks went by. I kind of forgot about it. And that one night I was working, my wife called me all uh, excited. She's like, hacks on the phone. They need your shirt size. They need, they need to know your uh, shoe size, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. So my crazy emails that I sent off all over the place paid off. And, it got me on the show. And then when the show went off the air, 
um, I made some acting friends because I was on the show five different times. Mm -hmm. And uh, my acting friends that I've made told me about indie films. And since I wasn't being called onto the show anymore, I looked into it. Suburban Sasquatch was my first gig. And I've loved it ever since. Now, was acting something that you've always had interest in? Is it something you did in like high school or anything like that? No, no. I, I was like in high school for the plays. I was always stage crew. I was always the guy painting the backgrounds. I was always a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Mo always lived up to that, uh, that experience. <laughs> actually, actually, I've been in, I've been, I was involved in one play when I was in elementary school, uh, and I was part of the band. I had to pretend to play guitar. Oh, oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> it's quite a stretch. So, how did that how did that uh, transition occur? So, you started to learn about these, this sort of no budget community or low budget filmmaking community. Did you uh, reach out to Dave Waskovich yourself, or did did he come to you, or did you go to like an open casting call? Well, um, I I went through um, film dot org. I went through uh, Craigslist. I went I, I was Googling uh, Philadelphia casting, independent film, Philadelphia horror, anything I could think of, any of those combinations. And I found a little blurb. I think it was on Craigslist, but it was so long ago now, I don't remember, <laughs> that Troubled Moon Films was looking for cast members for a Bigfoot movie. And um And the rest is history. Yeah. So I, I I didn't really have an acting resume, so I, I just talked about what I did for a living and uh, that I I'm into horror and sci-fi, and I had some experience on the TV show Hack. And he said, "Well, I want to meet you," and we talked, and he had me read off some lines, and I got my little first uh, scene as uh, Jackson in the bar scene. That's an interesting scene in the movie, too. I mean, you, you, it's sort of a showcase for you, uh, even though it's just a short moment, because you're this character that is introduced and you, you sort of uh, you don't give the most inspiring advice to the lead. No. <laughs> <laughs> you're actually kind of a dick, if I could say that. Yeah. Uh, and then and then you sort of vanish for the rest of the movie. But that part, I mean, it seems like it was. I mean, that's you. That's your part right there. And, and it's, it's interesting that you get sort of a featured part considering you hadn't had a lot of acting experience beforehand. Right, because with Hack, it was all background. Like, there mm -hmm. was no lines given. So that was actually my very first speaking role was Suburban Sasquatch. What kind of set was that? Did you have a, did you have a good time <laughs> filming that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that, was a re that was a real bar restaurant. So it, it wasn't like... It wasn't like Dave, uh, you know, we went there before they opened and uh, the guy said, what kind of beer do you want? And I'm like, geez, it's not even 10 in the morning yet. I'll have no duels. <laughs> it's not even 10 in the morning. I'll take a whiskey. <laughs> I'm, I'm making a movie called Suburban Sasquatch. Just give me the hardest thing you have. <laughs> Just, yeah. What's got the highest percentage? So the, the waiter's arm that you see serving us are the water for uh, Rick and the beer for me. That's actually Dave Wiscovich. And <laughs> that was the director who was also filming us. So the camera was on the tripod for that couple seconds. And um, yeah, now there was supposed to be a scene where Rick calls me. Now, you, you wouldn't have heard my voice, but it, it would have 
kind of I think it would have led into my character a little bit better where <laughs> people are like, who's this guy? But I was <laughs> I know that's know, what I was thinking. <laughs> right. Um, Rick was supposed to get on the phone and say, you know, hey, Jackson, I really need to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. At least that would have been like bump bar scene. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, because it was supposed to give everyone the idea that I'm the real estate agent who's been taking down all the forests and trees in that new community. And that's part of the reason why the Sasquatch came. Oh, so, that makes so much more sense. <laughs> yeah. So it, it it's kind of a shame that was all, I mean, you know, the movie had to be cut down and sure. I'm glad that, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm glad that my scene wasn't cut out because Dave told me a couple times that he kept considering it. And, uh, so that, that was something that was lost. I mean, it's, it's it's interesting. I mean, we love Suburban Sasquatch, obviously. We, we we joke around a little bit about it, and and certainly it has its faults. But that must have been a really exciting thing because that movie, uh, it does have sort of a cult around it, and it it's mm -hmm. been featured on. Uh, I mean, I think it was featured on Web Soup and, and and certain. You know, I mean, it's it's a well yeah the real channel also yeah, yeah. absolutely, and it, it's gotten some real attention. And that was your first speaking role ever was in that movie. Yeah, yeah, it was like hitting the little jackpot. I would, you know, I haven't hit a jackpot like that since, actually. <laughs> well, getting in a Bilzebub movie, uh, he has a very big cult following. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I was, I was so excited to make it into a Bill movie, but all the movies in between, and some of them I really, really love. Um, I'm, I'm hoping, you know, some of them get recognized someday. But you know, a answer me this about about Bilzebub. Uh, I have this theory that he doesn't do take twos. Um, he, yes, you're kind of right with that. Right? <laughs> he, he, uh, he, of course he will shoot two, three times and, you know, until every, everyone gets something right. But, um, when I was playing the teacher in Ant Farm Dick Hall, um, <laughs> we, we, that's just a sentence that, that's funny <laughs> in and of it. When I was playing the teacher in Ant Farm Dick Hall, I'm sorry, go ahead. No problem. Um, we we lugged all the all the equipment uh, from the parking lot. It, it was like a fifteen minute walk from the parking lot to this classroom, and uh, we set up. And he's like, you know, let's be quick about it. Blah blah blah. And I set off my lines. I had them memorized, but it was my first time saying them on on set, for lack of better words. Even though it was a real classroom. Mm. So I felt very mechanical about it, and I didn't feel like I delivered my lines naturally. So after everyone got their lines right, I'm like, do you want to do it again? I felt a little stiff. He's like, oh, no, you did great. And I was like, <laughs> really? So, you know, I, I was like, well, thank you for your opinion, I guess. But um, I, I felt personally, I felt like I was still a little stiff and – you know, if I would have said it a couple times in that setting, I could have loosened up a little bit. But maybe he wanted me to look like an uptight teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's such a productive director. I guess it's all about shooting as quickly and as you know conservatively as possible. <laughs> yeah, and and um, the the school was great. Like everyone, you know, I don't think they knew the title of the movie, but. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we made it. We made a mess in the in the bottom of the steps, in the bottom of the lobby, where uh, the the spider uh, shot the one character with the silly string. Oh right, yeah. yeah. 
and um, very realistic. Yeah, security security <laughs> just walked up on us and uh, caught us after we made this big, huge mess with the silly string scene. And there was no yelling, no snapping about it because you know that wasn't one of the rooms that was really kind of approved for filming. <laughs> and uh, you know we as soon you know they they stayed quiet and you know they that Bill finished that quick scene. And then uh, Bill said, well, we're going to clean up the carpet. And all four of us uh, grabbed the corner of the carpet and took it outside. And we shook that carpet out in the grass. And then we got on our hands and knees and picked up the silly string. But the, the school was really cool about it. And I'm sure the security guard that ran into us had no idea what we were doing because we were literally on the bottom of the staircase. And uh, it was nice that security didn't interrupt. Because <laughs> that would have that would have made a you know that would have kind of ruined the scene and then we would have had a reset and clean things up because you don't want to see silly string on the floor before the spider ejaculates its web. You know? <laughs> David, what does your wife think about this sort of no budget, low budget notoriety that you have? <laughs> she um she really it doesn't phase uh, her one bit. Most of my film she hasn't even bothered seeing. Uh, sounds like somebody else's wife i know yeah, it sounds like my own wife indeed well um she does like it when i do my comedies um she really liked happy birthday harris malden she liked bazookas um my horror stuff she'll see if she knows the person um she's seen a lot of apartment 1014 films movies because mm -hmm. uh we're, we're both friends with the director, Dante, and his wife, Leah. Uh, she's seen all my stuff with Dave Wascovich's films. Um, but the more gory stuff, the more uh, off-the-wall stuff, she's never had any interest in seeing it. I when might show my scene, but that's about it. Sure. When you tell family members that you're going to be in a movie called Ant Farm Dickhole, what kind of response <laughs> did you get? Usually silence with a back... <laughs> Oh, see, I, see, I'm sorry, see. Ant Farm what? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, uh, that was a, that's definitely the most extreme title I've ever been in to date. <laughs> uh, Dave, you've also done some producing, and, and most of your credits are as an associate producer, including on Stephen Granger's Super Tremet action movie Go. What does that role actually entail? Well, um, I started off uh, producing with um, eBay. People were selling producer credits <laughs> and i figured well it would it would help my uh acting resume my imdb page sure. imdb page and uh i actually won a couple of those bids on ebay and i wow. think super tremet was actually one of them that is amazing <laughs> but now with um paypal kickstarter indiegogo um, people don't go on eBay anymore to to help out with films. They go on one of those three. I had no idea people even did that. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I need to uh, I need to do more research into this sort of stuff. Yeah, I want to get my IMDb credits, just hundreds and hundreds of ones that I've purchased. <laughs> yeah, and you you know, and it and it does help them out. Like you know, fifty bucks, a hundred bucks. Sure, it goes a long way. And oh, then absolutely. you know. They spend 50 cents on a DVD, and that's what you get in return with your name in the credits. It's like, 
you know, that's a very fair trade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David, do you sometimes have difficulty uh, scheduling your, you know, your, your work work with some of these uh, acting roles? Definitely. Um, that's why in most of my films you only see me for maybe two to five minutes because um, I do have a very odd rotating schedule and I work, I would say, the majority of weekends. And most of your local filmmakers, they film on weekends because that's when the majority of people are off. Absolutely. So with me needing about two, especially on a weekend, I would need a, about two weeks notice at least um, because my before my supervisor will approve it, she's got to make sure that somebody will cover for me. There will be enough people, blah, blah, blah. So there's been many times where I've either had to turn a role down or ask for a smaller role. Not that I wanted to do that, but because it wouldn't be fair to the director and to the film to say, you know what? I said I'd be available the next four weekends. Why well, lied? I'm only available two. You know? <laughs> so um, that that's kind of hard because I really do enjoy the the acting aspect. I love it. I love getting bloody. I love makeup when I get the chance to do that. I love acting silly. And and, um, and I, I like the challenges that different directors uh, give me. Um, now, when I was retarded Charlie for abduction, <laughs> uh, people said I was brilliant. And not, I said, well, I didn't even realize I was acting. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, um, it, it, it is hard because, um, you know, I've worked with directors in the past and um, other directors have heard of me or have met me at different venues. And I think a lot of times I frustrate them because, you know, I'll send them my acting resume. I'll, I'll tell them about my experience and that I really want to help. And then they're like, dude, every time we contact you, you're not available. And it, it's not because I don't want to help, but you know, the, the job that pays me money has to come first, you know? And, and that really sucks because I see, I have so many acting friends that typically have every weekend off and they're in this and they're in that and they're having a ball with it. And it's like, Oh yeah, I'm working again. Or, you know, one of the few weekends that I am off, I might have a family event or my wife might want to go somewhere and I can't ignore those things either. Sure. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things that we see again and again, and, and you're absolutely right. A lot of these uh, low budget productions are are filmed almost exclusively on the weekends, just because right. of the availability of people, and their leads tend to have very flexible schedules, <laughs> or usually in, in, are involved in the production in other ways as well. Uh, sure. David, I was just wondering, do you have any uh, projects that are upcoming that haven't been released yet that uh, we should be looking out for? Well, yes. Well, um, I was recent. I recently finished uh, Dead Collections, where I play a funeral director assistant. Big stretch there. <laughs> um, that's also from John Arricchio. Um, uh, I was uh, massacred in a bar scene for IBS, which stands for. Um, I'm sorry. I have a mental <laughs> block of what the movie stands for. Um, irritable bowel syndrome. Of course. <laughs> and. Um, 
that the was movie. a movie. Yeah, the movie. <laughs> yes. And it's about a man that realizes he can keep his um, diarrhea attacks under control if he murders people. <laughs> that's brilliant. Yeah, that's uh, that that is original. And that's I can't, from me. I, I can't oh, wait. Go ahead. As you see, I can't wait for IBS two restless leg syndrome to come out. <laughs> I would be good in that. I have bad varicose veins, and I got I've <laughs> so I I, w- I can I can play that through experience. Um, <laughs> who sorry who who uh, who made that one? Maniac Films. Have you ever seen Deadly Detour or Sloppy the Psychotic? No. I've heard I've heard of the latter. Okay. Well, um, Mike from Maniac Films uh, made IBS, and there is a red band trailer on Vimeo with uh, nudity and curse words. Ooh. Our favorite, both of our yeah. <laughs> and uh, I made the trailer, which you know, like I said, I'm usually in small roles unless somebody is really generous and works around my schedule. Um, so, me having such a small role in IBS, I was excited to see myself get shot on the on the trailer so that was very <laughs> exciting for me and just to uh connect movies uh mike the dir- the director of maniac films is also playing a roman soldier in jesus the daughter of god in belzebub's film right. nice. which is which is which is rapidly approaching <laughs> yes release. yes uh this wednesday the 9th if anyone in the philadelphia area wants to come to the trocadero i'm going to be there belzebub and a lot of the local actors this is why I need to live in a different country. <laughs> so I can attend such things. David, we really appreciate you taking some time. Uh, it's really exciting to hear. I mean, I love no-budget and low-budget filmmaking. I love hearing the stories and the, the situations that bring all these people together. Uh, and, and, I mean, obviously, we love seeing you in these films. We're looking forward to seeing more of you in these films. And I hope people who are listening to this... We'll, we'll say, hey, this guy, he knows what he's doing. He has experience. Let's put him in our movie. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I had a great time on the show. Thank you for having me on, too. Yeah, thanks. Cool. And we got a great email from Stephen A. Granger, the director of Super Tromet Action Movie Go, uh, which is a sort of a, a trauma-styled action movie, uh, which came out a few years ago. And actually, we covered it, or I covered it, uh, in the No Budget Nightmares article and did an interview with Stephen over at dailygrindhouse.com. And Stephen writes, congrats on making it to 30 shows. Not sure if that's some sort of record in podcasts, but still it shows a determination to actually keep a project going. Spreading the word about indie and grindhouse films is an honorable job and must only be attempted by those dedicated to all things cheesy. I have no doubt you are up for the quest. Now whore like the wind. That's right, from Stephen Granger. Thank you, Stephen. Very nice sentiment. And indeed, we will continue to whore ourselves out uh, in our various social networks and, of course, on the podcast. this uh, nice email from uh, Paul Busetti over at 10 Sundays Productions and uh, fan of the show. He writes, Doug and Mo, I just wanted to congratulate you guys on the best no-budget movie podcast out there. Your genuine curiosity for these films and attention to every bizarre illogical detail is what separates you guys from the rest. I discovered your no-budget nightmares shortly after having surgery over the summer and your shows would keep me laughing while I went through physical therapy to recover. Thank you for all the great episodes, and have a great 2013. Thanks, Paul, and uh, we appreciate you listening. 
All right, and we're back. And uh, thank you so much, Stephen Granger and uh, Paul Busetti, who uh, sent along some uh, some congratulations on our 30th episode. Very amusing, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> I liked. Uh, I I loved in uh, in in Stephen Granger's one where he go, where he talks about not trusting anybody over 30. And he goes, I don't know what that's going to say for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen, of course, uh, is is a filmmaker, uh, and and I've covered his films on uh, on dailygrindhouse.com and written for him and interviewed him a little while ago. Very talented young man, but Mo, yeah, Paul Paul is too. Actually, we just haven't covered any of his movies yet. Everyone is talented. Everyone who who contacts us, they have a lot of passion and a lot of interest. <laughs> and then one of the great things about no budget films is uh, if you really are interested in the in the uh, culture of no and low budget filmmaking, then there really isn't any reason that you can't just go out and make one. And, because... and boy, howdy, is David Zippon a uh, uh, a perfect example, example of, that. of that? Yeah, someone who works in in this very specific, very respectable and kind of creepy field, uh, <laughs> funeral direction and and autopsies and whatnot. Well, doesn't he work and, for the feds? Yeah, or or has in the past, and he is. He has a passion, an internal passion for acting in low-budget productions, and he's had, I mean, his IMDb profile is very impressive. Pretty decent career, you know, and just just in terms of acting. I mean, hell, you know, he's been, he's been, he's been in Suburban Sasquatch, you know, uh, one of the best movies we've ever covered. And, Sasquatch. Yeah, Sasquatch, yeah. And, uh, and Anne Farm Dickhole, one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> And plenty more too, yeah. uh, as we as we talked about briefly. But Mo, we're here. I want to see bazookas. Yeah, well, I want to see every movie. I want to <laughs> see every movie ever made. That's I kind of do too. Let's talk about our favorite and least favorite films covered on No Budget Nightmares. Since I began on the least and uh, oh, actually, just favorite moments from before. I'm going to throw it over to you, Mo. Let's start with what was your favorite film ever covered on No Budget Nightmares. I think as far as quality of the film itself is concerned, I'd have to say Las Vegas Bloodbath, but I think my my I think my personal favorite, uh the one that gives me the most pleasure when I go back and think about it has got to be Suburban Sasquatch. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just such, you know, there's so much about Suburban Sasquatch that is just so incredible and and funny and interesting and and you know, and bizarre that uh that you, you can't you can't not give it its due it, it, and it's really become a real important part of the show oh yeah uh, yeah as well saint sass uh, yeah exactly yeah he's 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 our he's, unofficial mascot he's the unofficial ma- mascot and the first patron saint of uh, <laughs> of no budget nightmares <laughs> and he's very well endowed that sasquatch <laughs> big titties Yes, in, indeed, Mo. <laughs> now, it's it's difficult because, yeah, we've actually already talked about, at least briefly, uh, most of the films that I would consider my favorite that we've covered, or at least the favorite episodes. Uh, Las Vegas Bloodbath has to be really high up there. Uh, other ones that would probably come close uh, would be maybe Death Metal Zombies I loved. Sure. Robot Ninja we had so much fun Absolutely. with. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, these are movies that, that we just had a really good time with and that we would actually recommend to other people as well. Actually, I think I'd probably put Holy Moly up there as well. I really did have a good time I've, with that. I've already recommended Holy Moly to several people, yeah. Good for you, Mo. I'm just saying. Yeah, I, I, it's a great movie. 
Uh, and, and, of, and of course, science craze we've been talking kind of nonstop about. Well, thank you for taking away what I was. Oh, I'm so building. sorry. No, it's okay because frankly, I'm a broken record if I do say science craze. <laughs> it was the most recent episode, and but it's not that. That's not the reason that I'm so into science craze. I just feel like I have a spiritual connection with it that that I can't really uh, overcome. Yeah. You know what? I love them all so much. It's difficult to pick a favorite, but you know what? I'm going to twist it around a little bit. Go for it. I am. I'm going to twist it around. My favorite is actually Hip Hop Locos. Interesting. Yeah, you're supposed to go, oh? Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll do that in post. Okay. Well, let me explain. <laughs> let me explain myself. Yeah, you're going to have to. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever... The few of you are who may have been with us from the beginning, you might recall that Hip Hop Locos is usually what we consider the uh, nadir of <laughs> low-budget filmmaking. It's the worst. It's the gold. It, it, it's the gold standard. Yeah, except the opposite of gold. It's the Perhaps, shit. It's the shit standard. It's the it's the shit brown standard that we <laughs> that we compare every other film against, and we bring it up all the time. I mean, when we talk about when we hit on a film that's particularly bad, we always say, "Well, where does it compare to Hip Hop Locos?" And because of its importance, not only in uh, how we grade the films, if we can call it that, but also in the podcast itself, because it was the first film that we ever covered, and it's such a milestone for us, this podcast has become a very important part of my life. It's something that I feel like we uh, are known for, and it's something that we've really built upon over these 30 episodes. So when I think about something that I have a lot of affection for, that affection doesn't translate into wanting to ever see it again. Mm. <laughs> but in terms of the one that I love because of what has come from it, I'm going to have to say Hip Hop Locos. Wow. I know. I'm I'm impressed with myself, too. <laughs> but now, I eventually, uh, in just a moment, we're going to have to come up with our least favorite, and it's going to be really hard not to say Hip Hop Locos. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of some some of the ones. Uh, I mean, I think. I mean, obviously, I've said uh, Suburban Sasquatch. Uh, I mean, I, I I don't know if it, if here's here's the real question: Do we still consider? Las Vegas Bloodbath, the best film we've seen so far. I mean, best is such a strange. I mean, you. Well, you know what I mean when I say best. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But that's a tough thing because there's that huge. I mean, even though it's so amusing to us that whole long section with the oil wrestlers who are just sitting in the right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's funny the first time that you're watching it, but it's incredibly difficult. It's still not a good film. It's just so bizarre and hilariously strange that it kind of transitions away from from even any kind of usual grade of quality. But we've sure. actually covered films that are more traditionally good. Uh, and, and <laughs> well, good sliding scale, <laughs> I guess. No, but, yeah, uh, no budget scale. On the, yeah, exactly. Uh, I I can't say that many of them spring to mind at the moment, but I think, you know, like Rock and Roll Space Patrol, Action is Go, that's a film that its humor is very legitimate. It's purposeful. Uh, the things that are wrong with it, they're yeah. very aware of it as well, they're I mean, going and, along. Yeah, and, and granted, not everybody gets the humor of it, but mm. it's still there. I mean, it's still a funny movie. Right, yeah. exactly. And I'd even say that something like The Burning Moon, even though uh, we didn't love that film, for a no budget and that's really what it was or an ultra low budget production it's of a higher production value than almost any of the other films we've covered sure 
Well, yeah. Probably Blood Cult would probably be the other one. Blood Cult, you said? Yeah. Well, I mean, Blood Cult and Burning Moon should should definitely be watched for their, um, you know, because because they were so important, you know, mm. to to the no budget scene. Uh, you know, now whether whether or not they're good movies, you know, I mean, it's to be seen. You know, <laughs> I don't know if I'd necessarily say I thought that Blood Cult was particularly good. Uh, right. Burning Moon, you know, has its moments. Mm-hmm. Um, and but then but then you even have stuff like Reanimator Academy, which I know we've mentioned already once, but uh, uh, you know, but that's another one that it may not be the best thing, but it was really entertaining i mean i think i think we had i think we both had a lot of fun uh with that one exactly yeah but uh, but certainly in, in any traditional scale of quality it's not one that's necessarily going to be on there or here's another here's another uh great example too uh kill them and eat them yes exactly yeah you know where where it's like i mean it's it it's definitely not top five best movies we've watched but it's still it was still entertaining it was still you know, fairly interesting and completely bonkers, you know, to, to watch. Uh, but I, but I think we enjoyed that more than, you know, more than not. Well, on a slightly different note, Mo. Yes. What's the least favorite? Oh, that one, that one's easy. That's rock, paper, scissors. The <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I just, it just off of me, like, like water on a duck's back. It doesn't bother me in the least. <laughs> well, speaking of things that, that, that don't bother you, do you realize that the subtitle on that episode is Doug is gay, dot, 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 airtight? At the time, I don't think we took the uh, process of sending our podcast out into the world quite as seriously. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of forgot about that. Let's see, worst episodes. I'm trying to think of what, what ones were... Just well, I mean, painful. Some of the beginning ones, I really, they really stand out as being painful. Well, and, yeah. And one that we haven't talked about yet uh, is um, barely legal lesbian vampires. Yeah, and and I know that probably you can't remember a lot of the details of that. <laughs> oh, I I rem- oh, I hate I hate my memory sometimes because I remember almost everything about almost all of the movies we've watched that, that is actually incredibly impressive and it's just and it yeah and no i remember a lot about barely legal lesbian vampires and it's i mean just you know some, sometimes sometimes i'll get nostalgic about bad movies and, and you know and and i'll start to think to myself well maybe that movie's not as bad as i thought it was you know like <laughs> like maybe you know uh, maybe maybe it doesn't deserve. You know, like sometimes I'll do that with hip hop locos. I'll say maybe it's not as bad as I remember it. You know, maybe maybe it's maybe maybe it deserves another watch. I have never had that thought with barely legal lesbian vampires. I will never watch that movie again. I mean, it has some funny moments. It definitely does. You know, like I'll call the cops. But uh, you know, certainly not intentional funny. But moments. But yeah, not nothing intentional. Uh, remember the part? Sorry, Mo. I don't want to. Re- I don't want to have all these memories of specific moments, but remember when the director slash uh, host of that uh, movie, Mr. he's walking Creepo. through the, the cemetery. His name was like, Mr. Creepo, thank you. Mr. Creepo, of course, the director of the uh, pornographic thriller <laughs> <laughs> video. Uh, but he, he he makes a reference to, to Goldberg, the, the pro wrestler, because yeah. he sees Goldberg on, on, on one of the tombstones. And I'm like, what? Like, this isn't a movie. This is someone's retard... Oh, I shouldn't use that word. 
this is someone's particularly stupid um, home video that they've decided to put out into the world. It's a mentally challenged home video. <laughs> yes. No, I apologize, everyone, for almost using that term. <laughs> Uh no you're 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 one hundred percent right yeah this is this is definitely just a backwards you know home video and it, it's 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 pretty bad and there doesn't there's no barely legal lesbian vampires in it so yeah I, it's upsetting <laughs> that was the, we, we... that was the biggest that was the biggest upset about that film was the fact that the that none of none of the women in that film. Uh, seemed even close to being barely legal. <laughs> uh, we, we, I remember actually mentioning it on the episode. It's not that we are so. Uh, it's not that we need that sort of thing in the films that we watch. But if you're going to promise it in the title, then you have a responsibility to deliver it because yeah, we... otherwise you're just stuck with a bunch of shitty actresses <laughs> talking nonsense for 90 minutes. Yeah, I mean, we had the same we had the same problem with Sorority Babes and the Danceathon of Death. I mean, Ooh, you know. Yes, Mo. <laughs> there were no Sorority Babes in that movie, and there was no Danceathon of Death. <laughs> that transitions very well into what I was going to say next because we haven't talked about Todd Sheets yet. Our good friend Todd Sheets. Our good friend Todd Sheets. Unfortunately, Todd hasn't been able to contribute to the show at this point. We're going to work on it. We're going to get him. He's very busy. He has a new movie coming out in Which, 2013. That's so exciting. That is amazing. And we are that. I mean, we're going to push everything aside. We got to cover that fucking movie yeah. when we have the chance. I mean, talk about a trooper, man. He just got a, like. I mean, he just had like uh, like major heart issues, and now he's exactly. and now he's jumping right into a new movie. Yeah, and and we want to see him come back with a vengeance uh, and and all the success for him. Yeah. But Todd Sheets, even before the Suburban Sasquatch, he is the patron saint. Uh, not I guess not saint since we already have Saint Sasquatch, but I, I put him as Pope. He's the Pope of No Budget Nightmares. Sure. Because he represents everything good and bad about the the kind of filmmaking that we're interested in and that we're covering here. He has a ton of passion, a ton of love for the genre. He makes horror films and he loves the genre. Uh, in fact, in the interview uh, upcoming, we hear about just how much he would just talk about these movies all the time. Mm. Uh, and this is a guy who didn't have a lot available to him in terms of, of you know sets and actors, professional actors in particular, or even equipment. And he went out there and he made movie after movie after movie of all different kinds, of all different topics, and what, kept it going. What do you mean interview coming up? The, the Derek interview was, was, was done way, way back. <laughs> Let me look back at the, uh, the schedule. <laughs> See, this is why we needed to, to have them play so I wouldn't be such an idiot. No, of course, we talked to uh, Derek Berner. Uh, did I get that right? I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, Derek. Uh, who, of course, appeared in in Zombie Rampage uh, and Nightmare Asylum. He played Schluby. Schluby, and he worked on some of those films with Todd. And of course, he mentioned uh, th that Todd was so into the genre. Now, the fact that the movies that Todd was making during that time period, some of them are really particularly poor, and poor in a way that's kind of confusing because we watch Zombie Rampage, and there. Are, we had a lot of fun with it. I love, in fact, I love Zombie that, Rampage. That's my favorite Tachi's film that I've seen. Yeah. And then you see something like Nightmare Asylum. Where, <laughs> which is essentially the next movie he did. Which is essentially the next movie, right? E even having some of the same cast in it. And you watch it and it's like, what happened? 
the, the the background music is just a loop of the same piece of public domain music <laughs> again and again and again. The, it looks like it's entirely made up as they go along. The the cast looks entirely confused. It has that shitty. Remember the ending that you got really upset about, Mo? Yes. Yeah, you do. I knew it. That photographic memory comes into play once again. Yeah, I don't like uh, I don't like movies that end in a dream sequence. It's amazing. I mean, Todd, we've we've covered three of his films on on this. I've actually covered uh, even uh, more over on, on in the column. He's someone who fascinates me because of how much he's meant to the genre. I mean, you t- you talk to someone like Todd Jason Falcon Cook, uh, who obviously was inspired by Todd Jason, even worked with him. I mean, this is a person who wanted other people to succeed, even if what he was putting out there was not necessarily successful. Yeah. So, so the spirit of no budget filmmaking, it, it really developed with Todd Sheets, and it certainly has prospered from him. And that's why it's so good to see him back in the saddle. Absolutely. We love Todd Sheets. We love you, Todd. We do. Come talk to me, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that said, Nightmare Asylum, probably the least favorite film <laughs> that we've covered here on the show. <laughs> I just I just felt it just put me it's either that, I mean it's between it's between that and and um and the Summer of the Massacre, which it that movie makes me angry in a much more kind of like primal way. Yeah, like a visceral. <laughs> right. Just because of the, you can there's a lot of ego in there and there's a lot of um Real, like things that could have been solved very easily that you can tell are not being done just out of laziness as opposed to uh, inability. And that, that and also the fact that it was then promoted in a, a magazine. And oh, it just, just go back and listen to that one. I know that it's going to sound a little... Um, it's early on, so the sound quality won't be that great and whatnot. But you should listen back because we we really did have a field day with that movie. Yes, we did. There's a lot of screaming yeah, remember every edit, every time the camera changed, the sound quality would change. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it's something else, uh, and and it's it's also one of those movies, as opposed to most of what we cover. Like when Todd Sheets talks about his films from the early '90s, he recognizes that they're not great movies. Well, he disavows like all of yeah. his movies before like '96, which, right. which he shouldn't do for Zombie he Rampage, shouldn't. but. You know. And other and other work too. I mean, yeah. I think he's being slightly disingenuous about it because obviously he's revisited them and he has a, a Facebook group that's very active where people tell how much they they love them. Sure. But this Summer of the Massacre is a film where the director legitimately thinks it's a good film. So uh, I, you know, I don't want to be, I don't want to belabor the point, but it's not. It's terrible. It's really, <laughs> really, really bad. Yeah, it's 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 awful. You should see it though, just to see those misspelled opening titles man they are something else <laughs> yeah think, just well, just get someone to look at it yeah you don't you know what you don't even have to you don't even have to just listen to listen to our episode and listen to me uh try to read them. yeah try to read it uh the way it's written it's pretty brilliant <sighs> but going from that down point to uh to this next interview uh we're going to be talking to uh to jim boltis from uh rock and roll space patrol Action the director is, oh the director <laughs> who who sings along with us a little bit? He does. No, Jim's a great guy. Yeah. He's one of the directors who contacted us. It was uh, it was it was such a fun chat. You know. Yeah, I wish he was the third. Actually, I actually I would just wish he was you, and you would not be here. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> oh, 
now it starts, 30th episode. Yeah. <laughs> and after the uh, interview with uh, Jim, we have um, we have some more uh, audio congratulations coming. <laughs> Including one from your wife. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh shucks. <laughs> uh, and Jim, is it, is it Baltas? Baltas? Baltas, yes. Baltas, I'll totally get this. All right, and we're here with Jim Baltas, the director of Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action. Action is go! Action is go! Rock and roll! <laughs> Space uh. Patrol! <laughs> <laughs> One of the more uh, enjoyable uh, ultra-low-budget movies that Mo and I covered this year on No Budget Nightmares. Jim, oh, it's... I'm very honored. No, really, we had so much fun with it. Very cool. I'm you glad know, you guys did. You know what we have to do before before we really get into this is we have to play Jim uh, Ike's message. Oh, right. Do you think you can play it in a way that he'll be able to hear it? Uh, yeah, I'll just play it loud. All right. This is Ike from the Mike and Ike podcast, who uh, wasn't as big of a fan uh, of Rock and Roll Space Patrol <laughs> Action as Go, and we made him watch it before we recorded our episode. Excellent. I haven't heard this yet either, so I'm, I'm very interested in what he has to say. Of course, he starts with himself toking up. <laughs> Mo, Doug, Ike, how you doing? Yeah, and I know I said I'd get the lime in on this, but I was thinking about it, and Michael didn't help with your theme songs, you and Michael right? wasn't there when yeah. you guys came on the ass jam, so fuck him. I'm going to do this alone. No budget nightmares. Now, I don't do a lot of internet stuff. I really don't. Really, except for porn and Twitter and Facebook, you know, I really don't do internet stuff. I don't look at bulletin boards. I don't listen to a lot of things. I really, really don't. I listen to the Geek Planet stuff because, well, they force me to. But uh, outside of Geek Planet, I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to yours. I like yours. I like you. You're good people. Even though you have shitty taste in films, I cannot believe both of you like space dildo rocket ching whatever the <laughs> hell that damn thing was called. That's the All alternate title. It was bad sound, and it would have been almost as bad as Birdemic as far as I'm concerned. However, I'm a gentleman, so we can agree to disagree on that one. You're so wrong. <laughs> anyway, guys, I do. I love the show. Uh, Lamy and me won't own it sometime talking about a flick. I think that would be entertaining. Come on, you know you would, too. It'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Come on now. You know it. You know it. You know it. Bring us on. You can pick the film. You know we're going to hate it because I haven't liked a single goddamn film you guys have chosen since you started. But I love your show, and I love you. That's why I wrote your songs on such spur of the notice. And yes, I am still working on a theme song finale for you, an ending theme song. That's coming, eventually. But for now, just know you've got a listener for as long as you keep making me laugh. And namaste. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he has never said he has never said the name of the movie correct once. Um, yeah. Yeah, when, when I when I went on uh, when I went on to to his show, um, it was uh, it was right before I hadn't watched the movie yet. I was just about to watch the movie f for No Budget Nightmares, and he and he had already seen the film um, because he knew we were covering it. And uh, yeah, he he just like tore into me about it. I'm like, I haven't even seen the movie yet. I don't even know if I like it yet. And then when I yeah, then, that was. That's the majority of the reaction, I think. Uh, probably about ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent people just really hated. 
but Jim, the ones who just, liked it got it. It was amazing. They just didn't get it. That was the problem. I was exactly. just reading the the uh, the review that was on Film Thread a few years ago, uh, a couple of uh, days ago, and, and you know it's it's a middling positive review, but I mean at least you could see that they actually were trying to get it. <laughs> I, I've been thinking recently about the ending of Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go, <laughs> and like like I, like it just comes out of nowhere. I think I'm like. Holy shit, that's a great ending. That is just what it should be, where they just sort of give up and just have someone sort of read what goes on. And then, and then, and then, when you sent us the script, and we realized that that was the ending that was written, like we were just baffled. We were like, "Wow, I cannot believe that was actually intentional." It just made it that much more perfect. Oh, great! Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, I started off with no intention of it ever really seeing, you know anyone seeing except for like my close friends and so that's just my sense of humor i just like just absurdity and and the fact that it really goes nowhere and just you know it's like let's 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 set up this epic battle well epic for rock and roll space which and then let's just like not do it (laughs) screw it it's just too much work it's gonna end up bad let's just (laughs) yeah jim about how long was the uh the shoot for rock and roll space patrol Huh. It was probably, you know, we didn't, of course, do any like, you know, setting aside any time, taking off work or anything like that, of course. So it was just odds and ends here and there. So, I mean, from the beginning, shoot, I don't know, um, a few months probably doing, uh, you know, after work one day or on on a Sunday, you know, for a few hours just here and there. It was just after at a point. Especially with Buck Fiesta, Alex, uh, I he really. <laughs> I think I told you guys in that email I sent you that, um, or maybe I didn't. But at, it got to the point where he like dissed me, dissed a, a film shoot to go play cards with his wife and some friends. <laughs> 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 no, we're, sorry, we're gonna go play cards. What? I mean, we're gonna shoot. We gotta. Y'all got. We got the, the guys. Star of the movie. Ninjas here. <laughs> yeah. <fuck> that. <laughs> I bought all these kids' plates for nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's really confusing when you go on the IMDb page for Rock and Roll Space Patrol because Buck Fiesta, it says it's credited to Alex Warren. But when you click on it, it goes to the <laughs> wrong person's profile and it's a woman. <laughs> and she was in Bad Boys 2, I think. Yeah, I know. I was expecting one of the uh, featured players of Bad Boys 2. To, to, but I got, I got so much more. Uh, were most of the cast members friends of yours, just people that you kind of ran into, wanted to be in a movie? Yes, like yeah, very close friends actually. Bandmates, uh, Glenn, the the older gentleman there, he was my boss. Uh, Alex was my coworker. He was a, he's a guitar tech, and I'm a guitar teacher, um, and so we worked together. And Mike and Jason, we were in a band together. Actually, still are. And Idan, uh, Doctor Spider Jones was one of my students, and so uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I think Idan is one of the highlights of the film. (laughs) Yes, yes. He was priceless. Some brilliantly baffling moments with him, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and unfortunately I've lost touch with him. And everyone else, I kind of, well, there are a couple of guys who were just, you know, shot for one day or whatever, and I just haven't really talked to them forever. But Idan, I'd really like to catch up with him because he was was a lot of fun. He was, he's, he's a cool guy. He don't he don't know what rock and roll's for. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, uh, you know, this the movie you you were probably shooting at what was it, around 2004, something like that? 
Yes. And and, and the, the IMDb says 2005 when it finally got released. Have you made like short films since then or was that really your, you know, you poured everything into it and you've been recovering since? I did um, a movie called Highway Pirates after that. Which, which, was, which you sent me and I haven't watched yeah. it yet. Ah, yeah, to watch that. It's, I, it's I will. Fun. It's it's another very quirky. It's like a silent movie as far as like there's no dialogue. Have you guys seen Caveman with Ringo Starr? Of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's similar to that except instead of them talking caveman, they're just talking pirate. Yar, 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 yar. And there's, like, <laughs> there's like three or four lines in the whole thing, and it's like mostly shot on moving vehicles with pirates in the back of trucks, and with it's it's pretty ridiculous, dude. But. <laughs> Uh, I did that, and I did a. Um, let's see, I did, I did like a, a documentary. We had like a ice storm here where I live in Missouri, and we did. I did a thing for Current TV, and uh, when they had the election there, and I did that. So really, I, I've only done. Oh, I did. A, I did a music video, but I have. I've done as far as actual movies, Rock and Roll, Space Patrol, and Highway Pirates. That's that's it. You know, uh, just getting back to Rock and Roll Space Patrol for a second, one of the things I really love about it, and one of the things that I feel lucky that we get to focus on low and ultra low budget movies, is that it's so full of ideas, and they're the kind of ideas that you don't normally see in a film. Uh, they're just, you can tell that they they came up, you know, not necessarily spur of the moment, but they were very much like, hey, why why shouldn't we do this? We don't know who's ever going to see this, so let's just throw it in. What was the the scripting process like? Was it very much like, I don't want to limit myself. I just want to put down on the page what I think is amusing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was like, <laughs> it's just like jokes. Just, you know, just writing it. I had never written a script. I had actually really never even read a script. So my, <laughs> the script I sent you guys was just like, <laughs> just like, I mean, I, it, it's, they're like, you know, read on the page are things that, that are, in my opinion, humorous, but they're, they don't translate whatsoever with picture. So it's like, it was like completely useless as a script. And, um, yeah, yeah. It just, it's just, I kind of, you know, there's no, in my opinion, no point in if I'm not make I'm not going to make money from this, you know? So why make a movie that's by the book? Why make a movie that's like every, all the others, except it's low budget. And, you know, to, to me, I, it's, it's fun just to be, quirky and different just for the sake of even when it's just stupid as hell <laughs> i think the big Words question by. <laughs> i think the big question that anyone who's seen the film probably has and probably a lot of other low budget directors and, and producers would be how did it go from this sort of project that you were making with friends which a lot of these no budget films are how did that eventually get to distribution through trauma where it would even appear on like their youtube channel yeah yeah, I you know I just sent them a DVD. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, and honestly, I didn't send it anywhere else. I thought, I, I I thought if anyone would take it, it would be trauma. And so I sent them a DVD. Uh, yeah, that's all. There's nothing. I didn't know anybody. I just <laughs> looked on their site and sent it to them, and and they liked it. And Lloyd saw it, and he liked it. And so I don't know. I guess they they were one of the one to two percent who enjoyed it. So <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm glad they did because we certainly we wouldn't have seen it if they hadn't have, have distributed it in that sort of way. Uh, and and it also I love the idea that someone might just sort of stumble 
upon it and be like, oh, this sounds interesting. Rock well, that, and roll. Well, yeah. that's what that's what happened with us. Yeah. You know, I was just, you know, Troma had thrown all those movies, like 150 or whatever movies onto onto YouTube. And I was just scrolling through and seeing what they'd thrown up there. And, uh, and, and I see and I see this title and I'm like, and immediately... Like I, I immediately emailed you and I, and I, Doug that is, and said, uh, and said, this is the next movie we're going to cover. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our complicated vetting process. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and the, and the near immediate response back was yes. <laughs> Very cool. Based on title alone. You know, Jim, I, I wanted to quote to you, uh, when you go to the IMDb page for rock and roll space patrol action is go the user review that, that tends to come up has just one little quote, and I found it so amusing. I think I even mentioned it on the podcast, and it says, those nerds you beat up in high school made a movie. (laughs) (laughs) Are you okay with that sort of, of, uh, I don't know if it would be a condemnation or not, but uh, if if that's the the result that people get to it is that it's a nerdy movie (laughs) by people who are just sort of goofing off, are you okay with that? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> to take to well that's the problem is if you're trying to take it for anything else than that you know you're going to be disappointed so um yeah it's it's just it's just a ridiculous movie it's 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 misleading as all hell cuz that's funny <laughs> to me <laughs> um and the the cover i don't know if Troma's changed the cover back to what i originally did but the cover with the with the girl on the front getting her arm twisted by like an alien yeah yeah Yeah. and i think i told you guys in the email that that was their art director who was really insistent that this that that was it and it was just the original cover was just her and the alien and that's it and i was like no people who are going to buy this and they're going to be expecting this and then (laughs) absolutely not get anything from it and so a lots of twisting of arms i had to do in order just to get my two leads on the cover who are just like, you know, just like look over, looking over his shoulder. Yeah. They're just, they're just like poorly Photoshopped in. Yeah. Yeah. And, (laughs) and that was like, you know, the, the, uh, original, the original reviews that like, uh, user reviews or people who watch the movie complain that they were looking for TNA, you know, typical trauma, TNA and gore. And there's none. Yeah. There's the girls not even in it. Actually, there was an intro. I don't know if that's on the YouTube thing, but they had the Lloyd had Lloyd used to do. And I assume he still does do like a an intro to every movie sure. that they release. Okay, I don't know if it was still on oh, there. It's, it's but... not on the YouTube one, but I know certainly what you're talking about. Okay, um, I think it might be still on the DVD. Yeah, yeah, it's on the DVD for sure, but not. Yeah, I guess it's not on the YouTube. But that that's where she's actually. They have like a little bit that she's in, <laughs> and it's like so you know two or three minutes long. And that's and that's it. And so, yeah. And then, uh, like uh, a few months later, when I was talking to one of the other guys, and they they asked me what did I thought of the cover, and I said I hated it. And he said, "Yeah, that was so and so did it. And he's no longer working for us." And so I was like, <laughs> well, "That's great. <laughs> Thank you." Well, at least something fact. came out of it. <laughs> yeah, I guess something. <laughs> At the risk of this sounding like the Chris Farley show, I was just thinking back to the part in Rock and Roll Space Patrol Action is Go where Dr. Spider Jones, he bakes the the ninjas in his oven and they show the close-ups of all this different mechanical (laughs) gear. (laughs) I just thought, I mean, there's a lot of really brilliant, hilarious stuff in there. And uh, despite Ike's 
uh, suggestions to the contrary. I really think that there there is so much inventiveness in rock and roll space patrol action as go that everybody who's listening to this should go onto YouTube and watch it right now and then send you money. Yes, I think that's a capital idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm down with that. <laughs> Jim, what are you working on these days? Uh, just music, really. I um, I really originally did the movie because I, that's my my gig as a musician, and I I went to went to school and lived in L.A. for eight and a half years and did the original music thing and um, moved back to where I was originally from and did it a little longer. Then I just got sick of it, just like especially with uh, bands, you know, when you're trying to do original music, it's just just so much juggling of personalities it's just like i like it to being in a relationship with one you know as your 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 girlfriend or whatever but you're having like this sort of relationship with like five different people who all want something different and you're all creating something and it's just oh don't i know it pain the ass <laughs> <laughs> and so i was just like kind of burnt out and i was like i'm gonna make a movie and so that's what i did and um so did that, and then I was like, God, man, this is a lot of work. <laughs> when, you, when you do everything yourself, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And most, I would say almost no one understands that when they set out to make a movie because a lot of other people I, uh, I knew were then were like, hey, I'll make a movie too. And they you know, get to the writing, and they start with shooting, and then they get to editing, and they're like, what? <laughs> that's, that, that's the thing that usually kills everyone is editing. And... Um, so yeah, just uh, I've gone actually back to doing some recording. I'm starting to gonna do another um, series of uh, recordings and such. I've got a couple of bands now. Um, I did a podcast last year of short fiction horror podcast called Redline Theater. That um, if people are interested at all, they can check that out on iTunes. And um, it's pretty fun. It's all like full cast. Full audio, you know, sound production, original nice. music. It was like making a movie without the picture. Mm. It was a lot of work. And so we did that for a year, and I was like, damn, this is a lot of work. <laughs> no money, a lot of work. <laughs> you know. Don't I know it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jim, we really, really appreciate you taking some time to talk to us. Uh, I mean, we obviously love the movie and we love talking about it. Uh, and, and it was really a treat when you contacted us and we, uh, we got to get a little bit of the behind the scenes uh, view of how it all came together. But really, you know, we're interested in whatever you, you're doing next. And, uh, and please keep in touch with the podcast and with us in general. Absolutely, guys. I really appreciate Mo and Doug. Uh, thanks for taking the time. And, and uh, yeah, my pleasure. All right. Cheers, Jim. We'll be talking to you soon. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. This is Joe, a.k.a. The Creeper, coming at you from DailyGrindhouse.com. Just wanted to drop a quick line of congratulations on the triumphant 30th episode of your podcast. What started as something very small grew into something very popular very quickly. This, of course, is a direct result of your movie reviewing prowess, comic timing, and the incredibly natural chemistry you both share. I remember when you first started, just a lone British guy trying to make his mark in the treacherous waters of American pop culture. It was a daunting uphill battle for sure, but with your dry wit, skits, musical interludes, and uncanny pronunciation of the word blogspot, you not only succeeded, but did so with flying colors. Now look at you, 
fans spanning the globe. You've been recognized and awarded by such prestigious institutions as TLA Cult, and your brand has spawned popular side projects like Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid. It's been quite a ride. As a fan myself, I wait with bated breath for what the future brings. Uh, Joe, yeah, could we restart? Uh, I gave you the wrong script. This one says After Movie Diner. Um, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe, I need you back. You read the wrong script, Joe. All right, and we have another email from John Abrams, one of the, uh, the contributors to DailyGrindhouse.com, and he writes, Many of us come from religious backgrounds that lead us to feelings of guilt and self-reproach. We all have different ways of giving ourselves a hard time for things we have or haven't done. Some turn to booze and drugs and loveless fornicating. Some double up on the religion. And some of us torture ourselves with movies. I, personally, always figured I was adequately paying for my sins by voluntarily offering myself up to the agony of the cinematic output of Adam Sandler, Tyler Perry, and M. Night Shyamalan. Or by having endured Baby Geniuses, Cop Out, and all six Leprechaun movies. Moe and Doug and their podcast, No Budget Nightmares, have demonstrated beyond doubt that I am merely a novice in the art of hair-shirting by movies. I don't know what kind of deep, dark, inner torment spurs them on, but somehow they persist, and somehow they have made it all the way to a 30th episode without plummeting into absolute madness. Maybe by episode 40? All I know is that I will keep listening, mostly because of how funny the podcast is, but also to see which movie will finally be the one to break the indomitable spirit of these two heroic gentlemen. Congratulations, Doug and Moe. You made it. You are the high priests of cinematic self-immolation. You take the unwatchable and make it listenable. You are, indeed, the strongest of us all. Now go forth and receive 40 lashes and a zombie gorilla movie made in some dude's backyard. Thank you so much, John. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, if, nobody, if, uh, if Hip Hop Locos hasn't destroyed us, if uh, barely legal lesbian vampires hasn't destroyed us, then I think we're, we're pretty much unbreakable. But I guess we will see. Hello, fans of No Budget Nightmares. This is Jill. You may know me as Doug's annoying wife, who shouts out her opinion in the background. I just wanted to take a minute and congratulate Doug and Mo on 30 episodes. That's a really big deal, I guess, in podcasting. Uh, I don't really know. I don't listen to the podcast. Um, I don't like it. Um, I don't like any of the movies that you review. It's kind of annoying, really. But it does keep Doug out of my hair for hours at a time, so I don't think it's all bad. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, I love both of you, and congratulations. Here's to 30 more. Tilly and Porn will find a way Through the movies that they watch each day They suffer so that we don't need to They're the shield that we can see through The show it has the budget of The movies that they watch and love well Love might be a little far I'm sure they're being driven to the To drink the pain away And live to watch another day Before they stumble home to sleep Beneath their branded Tachi cheats There's one thing that I know for sure The movies and their hearts are pure 
A choking scene goes on too long as the Nokian key they sing their song. As Tala aims for a Sasquatch head, we killed them, we ate them, and dead is dead. The lesbians are middle-aged, despite what movie titles say. How my nuts, how my nuts, you hear the bad director say. Get out and spare the souls before the ant farm finds their dick holes. You'd think their lives were living pornos, then they have to discuss Gorno. Tilly offers smart critique, Mo is honest when they breathe. There's one thing that I know for sure. The movies and their hearts are I pray that what they see will stink of beauty now and then Let's hope that no one photoshops your head on the bodies of more hot gay And that was a, uh, a lovely tribute to No Budget Nightmares from our good friend Rue, who was my former co-host on the Something Weird This Way Comes podcast, uh, which is still in existence. He's still, he's still doing that. Um, and like three other podcasts now, uh, you know, it's like a disease, but, uh, definitely check his, check his work out. Um, that was really nice of him to, to do that song for us. That song is so that- great. That song, it's that song is better than we deserve, yeah. frankly. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Well, both uh, both I, of them are better than we deserve. Both. Songs I've listened to both. Yeah. Uh, just just in my everyday life, just listening to them now because they're so well done. Yeah. But I'll tell you, Ruse, and not to to put it as it one's better than the other, but his is actually oddly touching. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it it really does. It kind of moves me because <laughs> it reminds me of exactly how much work we've put into the show and how much my life is kind of changed because of the responsibility if you can call it that of having to do it and the fact that you know people are actually listening people are listening to the point where they could fit <laughs> quotes and references to the episodes into a lovely song and record it indeed it's a great song he should be very proud of it and uh, frankly it's probably the best thing that i've ever had related to me in any way i agree with that hmm yes I'm sure you would. That 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 is the greatest thing to ever happen to you. Yeah, no, and and that I include I include my marriage in that. <laughs> I think it's I've actually I haven't heard Jill's audio message. I know it just got played, but I've not actually heard it yet. <laughs> oh, well, you'll have to listen to the episode then, won't you? <laughs> oh, I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I don't listen to my own work. No, are you kidding me? <laughs> So yeah, so that was fun. It was. It's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it's been a while since our last episode. Uh, this took a lot of work, and Mo, I, I have to give you really all the credit because you really put the effort into making sure that this was as good as it could be. Uh, and and really, you do that every time we put out an episode. You're the one who edits it. You're the one who puts in the sound effects and the sound clips and the uh, music, and obviously, you even do the intro voice at the beginning. So this show wouldn't exist truly. <laughs> I mean, you could get rid of me tomorrow and replace me with someone else, but this show would not exist without Mo Porn. Uh, and uh, and if you want to be an uh, an associate producer of the show, 
there's a there's a, there's a PayPal donate button on our uh, on our Potomatic page. I was gonna say maybe we'll visit our eBay account. Yeah. <laughs> it still it still amazes me that that you know that that's a way to become an associate producer on on you know you just you just just give people money. Brilliant. Well, I mean, I guess that is sort of what a producer does. So, yeah. so good, good on that. I love it. I, hopefully, this time next year, we'll uh, we'll have a long IMDb pages with producer credits on them. I, I know I want one. I, I, that's all I'm interested in. I just want, I want an IMDb page. Oh, we can make that happen. Nice. So, anyone listening who might be involved in a low budget or no budget production, please put our names in as either a special thanks or uh, associate producer, so we can get our IMDb pages going. And also donate to the show because we don't have any money at all. Because I'm broke as shit. Yeah, I'm. Uh, he is broke as shit. Actually, I'm doing okay, but Mo needs help. Let's help <laughs> him out. Let's let's have a, let's we should really have. Let's get everyone together. Let's let's record a song. Uh, and let's, yeah, 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 Mo, let's make this Mo happen. Aid, you know, I'm 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 like two weeks away from being homeless. <laughs> I laugh, but I'm not joking. <laughs> I'm laughing. Yeah, well, it's funny. Mo, this is such a good time. I was so pleased to see the kind of responses we got. I mean, we even interviewed people, which is something we've never even done before. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. So is there anything that you want to say to the people? 30 episodes. What What do you want to say now that we're finishing up here? Well, Are we finishing up forever? Is that what's happening? <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, we'll be we'll be back in you know maybe two weeks <laughs> uh, with with another pile of shit from a movie. Do we know what we're gonna do next next episode? We actually have it in uh, we we Mo and I use a this is more behind the scenes. Uh, we use a shared Google Doc which we have a, a pile of movies listed uh, and the order generally that we're gonna cover them. And yes, we do have one listed next, but no, I don't recall what it is. <laughs> I start. I start. I'd start naming one, so you could say yes. But I'm afraid that'll just give away what we're going to be covering in the future. And we got to have a few secrets, Mo. Indeed, Mo. Uh, you know, we usually do end by saying that if people want to contact us or follow us in any way, that uh, that there's a number of ways to do so. I think we should still do that. Even oh, were we going to do Sledgehammer special. next? Sledgehammer. That's what I was going to say. Yes, let's do Sledgehammer. 1983's Sledgehammer. Uh, we're going to do Sledgehammer next. This is it. This is a great way to start our next 30 episodes. Absolutely. That's a classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? I know, just the way you said that. It was funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if I can remember how this works. Uh, if you want to follow Mo on Twitter, it's at DrunkOnVHS. That's correct. And what if they wanted to follow me? It's at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Very good. And if you want to email us, you can email us at NoBudgetNightmaresDG at stands for Daily Grindhouse at gmail.com. NoBudgetNightmaresDG at gmail.com. Or you could uh, just use that one. (laughs) I've grown to love it over episodes. (laughs) We have have another one, but fuck it. Um, Or uh, if they want to contact us on Facebook, it's facebook.com slash no budget nightmares, no spaces, or even better, you know, become, become part of the community and, uh, Mm. and join our group on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash, is it group or groups? I think it's groups. I think it's groups. Uh, well, we, sh- we should know this, too. Yeah, fuck it. Fa- Facebook.com slash groups slash... It is groups. Yeah, no budget Sweet. nightmares, no spaces. Come join us. Come talk. Come promote your movies. Uh, you know, tell us what we should watch next. Uh, join the discussion. 
There are people on there who have never listened to the podcast and have no hope to ever listen to the podcast. I think there but are they're people, still getting I, involved. I think there are people on there who don't even realize that it's a podcast. Yes, I actually think that that's the case. But that's amusing to us, and uh, and the conversation keeps going. So join us. There's going to be a lot happening in 2013, a lot of exciting stuff. And you, you're going to want to be a part of that. We've got a lot of fun movies coming up and some not-so-fun ones. Mm, th- those are even more amusing for other people sometimes. <laughs> well, our pain is their pleasure. Like like Johnny Abrams said, uh, you know, we are, uh, you know, very good at uh, cinematic self-immolation. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's our... <laughs> <laughs> we are we are self harmers when it comes to uh, to our film choices. Um, Mo, yes, we've covered everything. We have. Ev- everyone's been incredibly nice. We've talked about our favorite moments, our least favorite moments, our controversial moments, our favorite and least favorite films. All that's really left is for us to say so long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, good night. I'd like to think that anyone who's listening just then thought that we might actually burst into song. (laughs) That would have been amazing. I guess maybe in episode 60 we'll think of recording a song. Good night, folks. Goodbye. (laughs) 